Good evening. Thank you for joining. Thursday night class we're holding over here. I'm going to continue last week's discourse. We learned it last week, Friday. I started this right before Shabbos last week. So most people had a hard time listening to this live because it was Shabbos already in most places other than here, Los Angeles, the West Coast, and Hawaii. Um, maybe you got to hear it during the week. Um, not live, but it was there. And hopefully it's alive this year. So you can hear it live, it's still alive. And it's all about life, this mimer. So we're learning the discourse of the Alter Rebbe. Zeus, the beer, the beer, the explanation on the mimer, Zeus Chukas So the original Zeus Chukas mimer is in the beginning of Pashas Chukas and Lukuti Torah, Daf Nun Vav. We learned that mimer years ago. We started last week, right before Shabbos, Daf Nun Zayin Amid Gimel. It's the second side, it's on page 114. The mimer begins on over here, Beor Alpasik Zeus Chukas. We learned um, all the way to the bottom of the first column in Dafnun Ches, Ubeze Oser Shapir, where it, um, where it uh, does a, a parenthesis. So we'll recap a little bit before we continue. Here we are. So the Mimer is talking about. Similar to the discourse we were learning before this, the one that we learned on Pasha Shalach, all about tzitzis, all about Ani Hashem Elokeichem, the avod of the Jewish people, both in a manner of rotzoi v'shuv, in a manner of racing forward through meditative um, uh, prayer concentration, one can reach a point of a powerful um, yearning to leave the created um, limited existence behind, and one yearns and craves and pines for the infinite. That's the yearning. And that's why we learned in that discourse that uh, the Jewish people are called God's head, related to the idea of skull. Uh, we understood that God's investment in creation in it of itself, by itself, without us engaging him is a very, very minuscule, if you might say, the tail end of the divine. Um, and our work is to engage God in a far more intimate, deeper, that he should really invest himself and come down here completely, which is what the objective is of creation and the whole point of Torah and mitzvahs and the whole point of Judaism. So we learned in that discourse, Ani Hashem Elokeichem, we learned this idea, how um, that's the idea of I take you out of Egypt, the ability to to free ourselves from this, um, um, the the uh, the otherwise very um, limiting um, perspective and viewpoint that um, life, the way we see it, and existence, the way we see it, is very meaningful and excitable, and one. And therefore, one's pursuits is, you know, devoted to, to to the to the worldly, and even if it's the spiritual, it's still I'm talking about still within the worldly. Uh, the idea the Alter Rebbe keeps on bringing up in all of his discourses is that comes that can only be because one is locked 
in the blockages, in the limitations of the universe. From the perspective within the universe, the universe is ginormous and something worthy of our exploration, our, our attachment, and our, uh, and our uh, attention, of course, um, and worthy of our passion. But one, one, when one gets a true perspective, when, when one sees things for what they really are and sees the utter nothingness of all of existence and how the true existence utterly transcends, infinitely transcends uh, all that creation has to offer, so then one realizes the meaninglessness of the world. And as a result of that, one wants to bond with the infinite beyond the creation. That yearning itself especially when it comes, as we learned in the other discourse, especially when it comes from a, when it comes from a human, from a, from, a be, from a being that is expected generally to be a very, a very uh, material, physical being, and when one is ability, has that excitement to leave that and connect to the infinite, that is meaningful to God, that excites God, that's unusual, and that gets the infinite to, 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 to engage, involve, and as a result of the second element in our service, which is, again, even though this is the discourse, the material that we studied last week, uh, actually I gave the, this class, I gave Friday morning, and then the weeks before that on Thursday night, um, even though, um, but, 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 but it's the foundations of, this, of our discourse as well, uh, once we trigger the infinite, now we have to channel the infinite. And that we do through Torah study and learning and doing mitzvahs. In this discourse of Zos Torah, which deals with the red heifer, the paraduma, we will also be exploring these two notions, one of ratzo, excitement and, and, and transcendence, and the other one is shuv, a re return to earth, because the purpose is not in a withdrawal. The purpose of it is to connect the infinite back down to this world by doing the will of the infinite in the finite creation with all the finite, small, tiny, little details of our life. And that means doing things the godly way, living our life the godly way according, according to God's instructions, and thereby we actually funnel him, not just the tail end of him, not just a tiny bit of his creative energy, but the entire him into the creation. Um, this discourse that we're learning now regarding the red heifer is going to explain that that's the whole mecha mechanics of the red heifer. Um, the red heifer has that idea. On the one hand, we take an animal and we burn it down to the ashes, burn it in a fire. That represents this transcendence, longing, existence, leaving the trappings of existence and moving to non-existence, meaning transcending itself, rejecting its limited existence by recognizing that there is an infinite and wanting and desiring to dissolve into the infinite, to melt away into God's infinity. And that's the idea of the burning of the red heifer, of the paraduma. And then um, the taking of spring water and pouring the spring water into the ashes it's the opposite, represents a flow downward, channeling down godliness into this world. And that heals from death. Why does it heal from death? This that there is life and death in this world 
is because from the very beginning, our creation and our existence is connected to the divine, but as we mentioned earlier, the very, 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 very minuscule and, and insignificant droplet of, of godly energy. And as a result of that, its life force is wishy-washy. <laughs> it's on and off. And it's, death is a possibility. It's possible to be disconnected. It's possible to sin. And as a result of sin, it's possible to be disconnected, which leads to death, which is what happened to Adam and Eve. So creation as it is from the beginning, with a lesser investment of God in it, allows for such a possibility. Once we invite the essence of God into the world, we draw him himself into the world, then the life force in creation is so absolute and so limitless and so endless and so boundless that it never stops. And there is not possible for an interruption on both ends. It's not possible to have the psychological disconnect. That means there cannot be a godless moment in the world that we are going to see once Mashiach emerges, once the, the final revelation happens, um, the consciousness of, of, of everything and everywhere is gonna be so powerful, our awareness, that there isn't gonna be even a, a second of forgetfulness, and as a result of that, we will not live, as I mentioned earlier, even for one millisecond in a, in a, in a, in a, in a godless state, and as a result of that, life will go on forever and ever and ever. There's no death. Now, we'll, the red heifer represents the general force of mitzvot. The, the whole in the red heifer, is, is, it, it, it reflects the sum totality of all of Judaism, of all the observance, because the observance is on these, on these two modes that we spoke about earlier, either, either elevating our, ourselves from the, 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 limit, the limited boundaries, the Egyptian uh, constrictions of, of, of superficial, superficial existence, which is the narrowness of, of, of the material, physical world and its, its pleasures. And the mitzvah gears us like prayer for the like or Shabbat for the like or things like that. It, 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 it puts us up into a higher level in which we, we transcend everyday living, we move from, as we spoke earlier, from being to non-beingness. And other mitzvahs are meant to bring the divine down into the mundane, into the everyday. So one is an escape from the everyday, and the other one is a descend back into the everyday. And that's where all the mitzvot lead to. Either one is a direction upward, the other one is a direction downward. The one mitzvah that really explicitly demonstrates both these motions in the most comprehensive way and in the most explicit way is the red heifer. And that's the reason why the red heifer is the, is really, what it's really saying is, I, I am the example of all of observance. And therefore, in this mitzvah, we can see the results of all the observance. The result of all the mitzvot, of all the observances throughout all the generation, what is it going to accomplish? What it's going to accomplish is an invitation to God to move into the world. As a result of that, super consciousness of God in the creation and investment of God in the creation, and therefore no death. 
So therefore, this is the mitzvah that actually does exactly that. It heals from the, from the defilement that comes as a result of that. The real meaning is it's the antidote to death itself. It does the repair. This is the general gist of the discourse. Now, the discourse is very rich, very deep. Now, what we learned last week was that this idea that we need to we need to engage and discover and connect not just the, the godliness of creation, but reach to, the, to, to what is beyond, and what is infinitely beyond, and engage that as well. That is not only to the world, but even in the Torah. Meaning our excitement and our study and our learning and our prayer and our doing of mitzvahs doesn't just impact creation. It impacts even, even something that is so much superior to creation, which is the Torah. The Torah is divine. It's divine wisdom. And the mitzvahs are divine commandments. And they stem from the, the emotions of God and so on and so forth. But, the, but all the, so it's all related to the, to the divine powers. The Torah is Hashem's wisdom and mitzvahs are his, if, you know, how he expresses his, his emotions. And that lends itself into his commandments. And these emotions are all built on the wisdom. So the Torah is related to the whole, it's, it's a, a transmission from the, from the divine personality, which we would sometimes call from the attributes of God, which is awesome, which is awesome, which is so much greater than the creation. But notwithstanding how awesome it is, it's still because it comes from the divine personality traits, and that's infinitely lower than God Himself. So, therefore, even the Torah, which is the divine intelligence, God's intelligence, but even intelligence, even if it's God's intelligence, is considered nothing in front of the Supreme Being who infinitely transcends any kind of intelligence. It's hard to us to understand something like that with our intelligence. Because we're measuring with our intelligence, so we, so so. Um, but as a result, oh, so the Torah itself needs to be upgraded. That means that Torah, there is the Torah as Torah is on its own, and then there is the Torah as a result of the Jewish people studying Torah and doing mitzvahs. We lift the Torah also into the infinite. That the Torah itself should read now. The truth is the Torah in its quintessential source is rooted infinitely higher than the attributes, than God's intelligence. The Zohar uses a term, the Torah the Torah emerges from Chachma. The idea of the Torah emerging from Chachma means that it only presents itself to us from God's wisdom. But in essence, I'm gonna make an interruption. We wanna to learn tonight for the schut and for the merit of all the people trapped under the collapse of Miami, that God should have mercy and protect them if they're hopefully, miraculously still alive. God should protect them under that massive collapse until the rescues can get to them and they should come out safely and healthy and unharmed. And for those that are injured and, and 
whatever level of injury they should have a refuah shalema, complete, complete, complete re recovery. And uh, those that Rahman al-Islam passed away should be for the schus of their souls, even though I don't have their names. And um, they too should be reunited back here soon. Okay, I wanted to say that at the beginning, but I, I had um, forgotten for a moment. Okay, back, back to what we're learning. So the Torah itself needs to be ascend, ascend to the source of the Torah. Now, this idea that the Torah is from the divine intelligence, and we want to uplift the Torah and connect it to, it, to its own origins, which is not visible in the Torah. We want that we should, that when we're studying the Torah and we're engaging the Torah, we should be connecting to the Torah as it is in its deepest form. In its deepest form, the Torah is really emanating infinitely higher than wisdom and emotions and the like. That's what our Torah study and doing of mitzvahs does to the Torah. And, and that's why there's a, the, 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 the Alter Rebbe brings always all the time uh, what the, what the Midrash says. It says, Vasisam oisam. Simply it means you should do the mitzvahs. It means you should, you should follow what the commandments say. There is a commandment and now you just obey the commandment. But the Midrash says, no, Vasisam oisam. You should make the mitzvahs be mitzvahs. You're not doing what is a, you're making the commandment. How are we making the commandment? Because we're 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 making God command this mitzvah from from His very essence. So we're enriching the commandment so much more. You know, the, the, the 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 commandments are being uplifted to their core 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 quintessential roots. Which is very hidden, and we're exposing it and revealing it. That idea that there is two levels of Torah. There is the Torah as the Torah is in a projected fashion. And then there is the Torah as the Torah is in an essential state. And our work is to bond these two. We learned last week is the, oh, so before we say that, is related to two levels of letters. Torah is words, intelligent words, powerful words, godly words, but it's words, teachings. Teachings come in the form of words. Torah is written. We'll go look at the, we have two Torahs. We have Torah Shabbat, the oral law. That's for sure words. And even Torah Shabbat, the written Torah. It's written letters in a book. But even that Torah that we are reading is not the essence of the Torah because it's written letters. The real essence of the Torah are engraved letters. That means the origin, and we see the Torah was actually that way. When God gave the Torah the first time, In the in the in the luchos in the tablets, the Ten Commandments were not written on the tablets; it was engraved in the tablets. What's the significance of that? Why couldn't God just write it? Why did Why couldn't He give a Torah scroll to Moshe? Why did He have to give a stone and have it etched in stone? That was reflecting the truth of the Torah. Intelligence, information we have in our mind, is like written information that we write it upon our soul. By human, for sure. What do I mean by humans, for sure? Uh, the intelligence is not essential, meaning the information you have in what you know in your mind, you didn't have it yesterday. And it's not carved out from you. It's information that you acquire. You learn, you study, you read a book, you read this. Yeah. So you're, 
It's almost like you're writing on the tablet of your being. You yourself are the tablet. You yourself are the parchment. And you're writing. As we go through life, we learn new things. And we write. Now the beauty, the, the, it's, it's wonderful. We have all kinds of things written. Hopefully it's nice things that we write, we imprint upon our being. But the very fact that it's written means it's erasable. That's why so much what we learn today, we forget. And, you know, in a month, two months, three, definitely in a couple of years, we have no recollection. So many things we learned, we studied. Certain things accumulate and they don't. They etch themselves deeper in and, and we don't forget it. And many things we do forget because it's only letters that are written. And even if these are innovations, which we didn't read anywhere else, but we have innovated them themselves, it's still considered written. Because the whole idea of intelligence is considered more external to the very essence of the person. The concept of etched, and by God, who, whose, whose transcendence of intelligence is absolute and infinite and boundless, so for him for sure, the Torah as it is intelligence is considered written letters. But the origins, origins of the Torah is where the letters and the, and the platform on where the letters are, are one and the same. That's the idea of an engraved letter. Engraved letters, the letters are engraved of the, of the tablet, of the, of the platform where they're on. And that and the letters are one. Now, if we say, if that would be the soul, that means that certain carvings that are carved out in, our, in who we are and what we are, we all know that there are certain things that are not attached to us from the outside. They are just who we are and what we are. It's a carving of our, our deepest essence. These are like carvings in our inner being. It could never, it's not erasable. It's not, it, it's who we are. It's not what we've chosen or, or gotten involved with, but, but who we are at truth, at our core core of our inner being. Um, that's the truth of the Torah. It is carved out in the essence of God. However, that's the Torah as it is in a hidden, unrevealed state. But when God, and God gave Moshe that Torah, but it was not shown to anybody. The tablets, really. Who saw it? They were sitting, sitting in the Holy of Holies in, the, in, a closed, in a closed ark. No one opened it. No one read it. The, the, um, the Torah that we read is written letters. It's the same information that says over here, but it's written. That means that we're engaging the Torah on a level that is far more external so when we're saying that through our work we uplift the Torah back into its origins and we engage the Torah at its essence infinitely higher that means we're connecting the written letters to the engraved letters and since we do that through the mitzvah of the red heifer of paraduma remember we do that through the mitzvah of the red heifer which is paraduma because again because that summarizes all the mitzvot we do that through all the mitzvah. But primarily, since this mitzvah is the mitzvah that's the prototype and represents all the mitzvahs. So that's why in the introduction to this mitzvah, it says, Zos chukas That through this mitzvah, you're going to discover, you're going to reveal, you're going to actualize and accomplish that you're going to draw the Torah down from chukah means statute, but also from its engraved chuk, from the word engravement, chukachokakti is an engravement. You, 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 you uncover the Torah, we uncover the Torah at its core, core, core truth, at its core, where it, it 
and God's and God and the true essence of God are totally one. That's awesome. And that's why it says it by this mitzvah. And he also explained, that's why it says in this verse, two times God's name. I'm just doing a brief summary from what we learned last week. It says, Vaidaber, that's why in this verse it says two times Hashem's name. Vaidaber Hashem al-Moshe Lemar, Torah. And then it says, Ashatziva Hashem Lemar, that God commanded. So the question was, if God is speaking, he should say that I commanded. Not that Vaidaber Hashem, that Avaya is speaking. If Avaya is speaking, you should say, Ashatzivisi, that I commanded. What's this Ashatziva Havaya that Avaya commanded when he's speaking? So we brought the concept, that's how the Mimer opened up, that every time it mentions two times Havaya, it's not the same level of Havaya speaking. Because there's two dimensions in Yudke Vavke. One is an infinitely lower one. That is Yudke Vavke, where the Yudke Vavke, the five, four letters represent the attributes of the divine, beginning with the divine intelligence. The Yud and the Hey is Chachma and Bina. The Vav and the Hey is the six emotions and Malchut, which is really all the ten attributes. That's Havaya. And that's the first Havaya. And that's where we're usually engaging God as God has already come down into a certain definable personality. But then, the second times it says Avaya, it's not referring to the Yudke Vavke as it is expressed um, attributes. It's the Yudke Vavke as the Yudke Vavke is engraved in one with God. Not external letters, but engraved letters. As the Yudke Vavke is him, his essential name, not expressed in letters like the carved letters. Havaya Daliela, the infinitely higher Havaya. So what are we saying? Vaidabed Havaya Lemer, so the lower Havaya is saying, by, by fulfilling the mitzvah, Parah Aduma, by the red heifer, Zois Chukas this is the Chukah, and Chukah means engraved, which is Ashetziva Havaya, which is going to enable that Havaya, the other Havaya, it's the same person, it's not a person, the same entity, but on an infinitely more inner state, when we say infinite, we mean infinite, we mean absolutely infinite, endless. Ashatziva Havaya, that Havaya as he is, God himself, is Tziva, is commanding and connecting to the lower Havaya, and that's the meaning of Lemur. Amira, he said, that was we had we learned last week at, um, in part one of this class, Amira is referring to Chachma. Because Chachma is considered words, Amira. He said that Dibur is Bina and Amira is Chachma. Because we know in Hebrew there's two, two words in Hebrew for speech, Amira and Chachma. And like Asara Mamorais, Asara Sadibros, ten utterances and ten commandments. Amira, the, the Talmud, the, 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 is interpreted as sometimes thought in the heart. It's a more inward speech. Dibur is, a, is external, more to the outside. That's why it says, Vayom and Hashem belibo. Amira is in the heart. It can be thinking. But Dibur is external speech. So usually Dibur is lower. That's why he explained, Amira is in Chachma. And Vayomer Elokim, the, the, the Zohar says in Bereshis, Vayomer Elokim is Abba, Chachma, which is Amira, says to Bina. Bina is Vaidaber. Now, we had a question last week where he connects the Aseris Adibris, Aseris Mamaris. I don't want to go into that now because here it seems to imply that the Aseris Mamaris is higher than Aseris Adibris. 
Um, the Tzemach Tzedek, actually, I, I, I was bothered by it last week, and I looked it up. The Tzemach Tzedek says that this is only when we're looking at the world as the world will be in the days of Mashiach. Meaning, when the world was created in its ultimate perfected state, and so it will ultimately be when Mashiach comes, then in the world itself there can be something higher even than in the Torah. It's really interesting. So in that case, the Amira and the Dibor connecting is from but there is another way of he explains it in, in two different play, in two different interpretations. The other interpretation seems to be saying that no, that but I, I don't want to get into it right now. It's, it's gonna it's, it's, it's taking us off the subject. It's just that something that was been bothering me when I read it in the Mimer. The Nakud over here is Ashatziva Havaya Lamar, that Havaya, the upper Havaya, is connecting down Lamar to Chachma. Chachma is called Amira. As we said before, the Yud Kevavke, the highest, the Yud is Chachma. But that's already attributes. And that's why it's called Namira, because words, words are not you. Written words, they're, 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 they're something that you're, pro you're processing. It's something that is, uh, you know, your, 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 your consciousness is, is enclosed in words, but the words is not the you, not the soul itself. So for that, in that matter, Chachma, as being so high, is called Yesh Me'ayin. It's like a new entity, like yesh And therefore, Ashatziva Havaya Lamer, but Havai, the true Havaya, when I say the true Havaya, Havaya as he is in a much panemius, a higher, infinite level, is Ashatziva is connecting to Lamer to imbue all the ten attributes with the essence of God. And the, as a result of that, the Torah becomes imbued the, with the letters of engraved are expressed in the letters of in the, letter, in the written letters, and from there in the letters of Torah Shabbat Peh, the oral law. So when we're learning Torah, we're encountering, we're connecting not to the outer expressions of the divine, but to the very essence of God. Okay. So this is um, the, the main gist of the discourse that we learned last week. And now I'm going to add one more part that we learned last week, which is in introducing to the flow that we're starting tonight. In order to explain why Paraduma is the prototype of all mitzvahs, why is that the example? And as we said before, because it has within it the two elements, Ratzo, the element of ascendance, the desire, again, to, to, to break free from the, 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 the limited existence of creation, and then it has, within the mitzvah itself, expressed the descent and the channeling. So in order to explain how rich and why in this mitzvah the ratzo is so dominant and so powerful, he's going to explain that in this ratzo of burning the red heifer, it's not just the burning of the red heifer, which represents a fire, and because a, a carbon is also that way, uh, uh, a regular sacrifice is also that way. But here in particularly, this burning of the red heifer has within it like a flavor that is, that is more all-inclusive in terms of its ascendance. Why? Because of the other ingredients that we throw into the burning. Because included in the burning, they would burn a tree, a, a cedar branch, and a little grass, a hyssop grass, and a red ribbon. A, a, a cloth, a little ribbon dyed uh, with uh, the dye of it. 
So he's going to explain how in that burning represents the sum totality of every aspect of the low, everything that makes up our world is now ascending. Because we know that the world is made up of four things. The domain, the inanimate, the tzomeach, the plant, the chai, the animal, and the medaber, and the human. So we know four categories of life. There is the domain, the, the inanimate, or as the Rebbe once said, you shouldn't call it inanimate, because everything is, has animation or else it can't live. Call it, the, the real translation in Hebrew is domain, which means silent. It doesn't express its animation. Like we know scientifically, that matter is energy. That means it's animated, but it's not, it's not displaying its animation, its life force. So there is that element. Then there is the tzomeach, which is plant. And now we understand that plant is greater than the tzomeach, than the, the domain. But we explained last week, just briefly, we're gonna, that the tzomeach includes within itself the domain. But tzomeach is domain plus, because a plant also has the, for example, the best example is when you, when you chop off the tree, it's inanimate, so it has the domain, but in addition to that, it has a different soul, a higher level, as he called it from the Eitz Chaim, a more pnimius soul, which makes it tzomeach, which makes it grow. And then in addition to that, there is chai, chai is animal, animal is a different form of life. So, but the animal includes within itself tzomeach too, because animals grow, a small animal, big animal, and also doime, the animal dies, and even, even when it's alive, the bones, the it is essentially domain, but in added to that, there is the power of tzmicha. And also the animal is a living being, every part of it. So the, the, the soul of chai is like a triple soul. There is the soul of the inanimate, the soul of the, 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 the vegetation, and the soul of the animal. Above that is the human, which, which is the highest of them, it has an intelligence and an intelligence that can lead it to speech, as we're soon going to see why that's very significant. And it includes within itself the other three levels, because a human is also a living animal. And above that, it's a, he also grows from small to big. Now, just like these four elements exist in the, the physical and the material, they also exist in the, in the um, psychological in the powers of the soul. In each human being himself, you have all these four levels. And, but, and, but not in, the, in addition to the physical, also in the, the, the psychological makeup of a human, of the human experience. So he explains like this. The malchut level of a human is the inanimate. And what's the malchut level of the human? Those are the power of words. Whether it's words of thought, whether it's words of speech, and next level, the lowest level, is action. All these powers, where the person is expressing himself in limited, limited spot, spurts, so to speak, of energy, which you're concentrating in a word and thought, action is like fermented words, that's the truth. All actions are also words, but words that are like becoming you know, etched and uh, in, in, in action, in the material. But I'm not gonna get to that right now, but the idea of that is that all these three levels is considered inanimate. Because when you say a word, the word itself doesn't grow, it doesn't change, it's fixed, it's limited, it is what it is, and so it stays. A thought is also that way. And it doesn't produce anything else, just like stones don't produce other stones. Speech doesn't produce anything else. 
The speech, the word itself, can't give birth to another word. The word is a fixed word. Someone can hear the word and decide to speak it, but that's not, that's their word. The word itself remains fixed, limited, and doesn't grow. It's the same word. Um, if you record it, for example, if you capture the word, it will be exactly the same. It won't change. Next week, suddenly the word got excited and the word is much louder and more energized. No, same word. Right. Same, same thing. Um, that, in that sense, it's inanimate. The next level of a person is, is the emotions. Emotions are considered the plant life of the human experience. And just like plants, they grow from small to big. Emotions are alive in the sense that you can have the same emotion and first of all the whole parameter of emotion grows in the sense that when you're young your emotions are excited to foolish things and as you grow older and you mature your emotions become are now elevated to higher types of emotions it's the same emotion but it has now taken on a much higher um, cause, it's, 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 it's directed in, in a much, in a, that means growth. That's the general emotion, the emotion itself. But even the very same experience that you have, and that's not the same like speech. You'll say the same thing as by speech. When you're young, the speech was, the power of speech was to, was to foolish things, and now the power of speech is in more sophisticated things, sophisticated speech. If we think about it, What's changing in the speech is not the words. The words are the same words, I mean the same letters. I, I know that the ability to articulate the letter is nicer, but the letters themselves, the same letters. Whether you're you know, playing with your doll and you're saying uh, you know, buba, which is a doll in Yiddish, <laughs> or you're speaking to your grandmother and you're saying bubba, the, the letters are the same bubba, buba, same thing. That doesn't change. The content that's in it, which means the intelligence that's in it, the emotion that's in it is much richer. You speak to your grandmother, you speak to, or you're playing with a doll. It's a silly emotion here. It's a very rich emotion. But the word itself is the same. That's what I'm saying. Even as you grow older, the words don't change. But emotions do change. Emotions become more sophisticated. That's number one. Number two, not only do the emotions change, but even a, a particular emotion can intensify. The same emotion that you had 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I come back 4 o'clock, an hour later, the emotion is like grew. Like you're, you were upset, let's say, at 3, and now you're <laughs> throwing a temper tantrum at 4 o'clock. What happened? The emotion is out of control. Or the other way, it can fizzle, it can become smaller, it grows, it fluctuates. It's not, it's not fixed. So that's why it's called Sameach. Then you have intelligence, which intelligence is called chai, animal. Even though animals are not known particularly for their intelligence, but the level of intelligence in the human being, as it is in the psychological being, um, intelligence called chai. Va'achachma, he brings a proof. Va'achachma tichia, enlivens. He doesn't give too much explanation why the intelligence is how it's associated with a living being with an animal. And I, right now I don't have it in my head to explain it. But that's the equation where he puts the idea of intelligence in the level of chai. So what's beyond the intelligence? You would think the highest faculty is intelligence, but no, that, that, that's not the, the entire... Uh, the, the, the highest faculty, the greatest element of the, of, of the human being is not their intelligence, but their ability to articulate their intelligence. And that's a higher power that transcends intelligence. And that's the medaber in the person, the human in the person. And that's why in Hebrew, when we speak about human, we don't call him human, we call him medaber, the speaker. Because the highest 
the, 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 the true power of the human being transcends intelligence and it expresses itself in speech. It's the, it's the pre-consciousness, the pre-consciousness. What we might refer to as uh, in the spherot, chachma, wisdom, bina, that's intelligence. And higher than that is keser, the crown. The crown is the, in, the, the encompassing energy of the soul that is not yet invested in a vessel, in a container, it's not limited. And it's unlimitlessness, it expresses in the ability that it can create words. It's very interesting that you see that, it's, that intelligence is not the source of letters and speech because you see that little children, um, that little children, uh, even though they are pretty smart and they can, you, you know, you can communicate to them full concepts and ideas, yet they, don't, they can't say sentences, even though you know they know so much more than what they're saying and you get all excited when they say something. But it's not like that's how you measure their intelligence. They're far more intelligent, yet they can't say it yet because they just don't, why? Because there's something that's beyond intelligence that has to like kind of kick in, and you know, there's be a certain maturity and openness to allow that feature of the soul, which is the pre-consciousness, the pre pre-powers of the soul, pre-intelligence, to to um, to present itself. And when that happens, the child can speak. So it's interesting. <laughs> so what happens over here? Speech itself. The letters of speech itself is inanimate. It's the lowest. It's like stones. But the power to talk, the ability to be able to talk, is the highest power, transcending even the animal is the human of the human. That's the idea. So once we have this structure of understanding the, 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 these four elements outside in the world, also within the human being, we're going to see how all these four parts participate in this transcendental yearning, in this burning up for God. This amounts for the sum totality of, of everything that is, exists in this world. It's a reflection of the spherot above and as it manifests both in the, 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 the materials of the world, stuff in creation, and the and in the human being. And now we're gonna see how in the Red African. So that, that's what we're holding. Um, but we were, he, the last thing he mentioned that, um, let me just read over, Afsha Hadibor. Remember we spoke, this was the last idea we were talking. Um, I'm, I'm starting one, two, just for the easier flow. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. 12, um, Lines from the bottom of the first column of Dafnun Ches. And even though speech we said is domain, is the inanimate, and here we're saying that the power to speak, speak is so high. That's the secret. The highest produces the lowest, and the, the lowest is wedged in the highest. That's always the rule. And the end is, is connected to the beginning, like we see that in the attributes, there are 10 attributes, and the lowest one is Malchus. The kingship is the lowest of the attributes, means the most limited, most restricted, yet precisely it or her, Malchus is feminine, is rooted deeper in the Ein Sof than all the other Sefirot. So therefore also Malchus, which is speech, which is very limited, is stems from Kesser, from the crown, that is limit, the, the ultimate 
that is the, 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 the deepest limitlessness. So it's interesting. The true, the true limitlessness of a person's being can be shown in their power to limit themselves. That's an interesting idea. Sometimes we, we think that we can, in our, in our ability to, to be, you know, that we, we, we can really display who we are in, in like breaking records and things like that, what we're really made out of, it could be the opposite. That the truest power of the person is the ability to limit yourself, to limit the ability to be quiet, to limit, to, to constrict, to, to, to control, to, to limit. Its root is from Keser. And that's why by God too, his deepest truth is expressed in, a, in the finite, limited, most deadest existence that we call physical earth. It's crazy. And that's why we also find that in the ten spherot, the ten attributes of retracting light, which means when we count the spheros in the way in in, in when energy is going backwards, so we start from Malchus. So Malchus is considered the crown. In that organization of the spheros, the Malchus is considered the crown. That's why it says in Eitz And that's why we also find that Hamelech, a king, which the king is the person, like King David, he's the personification of Sphiros HaMalchus. He wears the crown. It's interesting. Abraham, Avram Avinu, he's the personification of of, of God's kindness. Kindness is so much more powerful than kingship. Yet our Abraham didn't wear a crown. Now wearing a crown in, in Torah is not just, you know, <laughs> you know, you have a good silversmith or goldsmith who made you a nice crown. You know, that's not the idea. If you're wearing a crown, when King David wore the crown, he's wearing God's crown. It's because he's connecting to Keter. What's what's why is the king David? Why isn't Moshe should wear a crown? Moshe is Chachmach, you know, Netzach. You know, Aaron, the high priest, should wear a crown. He has a different kind of a crown, but the real crown is worn by the king. Why? Because Malchus, the lowest, is connected to the highest. Where's the crown in the... Therefore, the root of speech, Nimshach is drawn, is Davka born from the crown. And that's where the human's real power is from the, from the crown of the human being. And the crown of the human being is your ability to speech, to speak. And that's why we find, because letters are so high, even though they, they are the ultimate servants, letters, speech, the, 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 the power of letters, are the servant to all the other, all to, to all the other um, powers. When, when an emotion needs to express itself, it comes and it picks up a couple of words and it, and, it, and it uses the words to express itself. And when intelligence needs to c convey its, its idea, it also speaks to us through words. Everything comes through words. So the words are very, are secondary and um, uh, submissive, if you would call it, or, or, or um, just, the um, yeah, best word would be secondary, I guess to the intelligence. They're servants to the intelligence. Yet, there is a greater, the, 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 the words are sourced in your soul higher than the idea. The idea conveyed in the words is sourced in your soul in a lower place than where the words that are conveying it. 
and, and, where do you, and that's why we can actually see it, that the letters surround the idea. The idea is inside the words. The reason why they surround them is because the words are really higher. That's why the letters are The letters are encompassing the idea. The concept. Because the source of the letters stem from beyond and therefore and that's why the same is also with the Torah. The letters of the Torah are holier than the ideas of the Torah. Sharsham, their root is they are rooted in a level, on a higher level, than the very ideas that they convey. Because the intelligence of Torah, the Torah, the intelligence comes from wisdom. That's where the intelligence comes from, the level of wisdom, which is the first of the attributes, but it's only an attribute. But the letters are rooted from Keter, which represents Hashem Himself, beyond the attributes. And the Yosils, they're rooted in a level that's higher than Chachm. This is we were actually holding. With this we'll understand well. Even an ignorant person gets an aliyah, we call him up to the Torah, and he makes a blessing. Even though he doesn't understand Hebrew, so he has no idea what you read in the Torah. He didn't learn anything. What's the whole idea of Torah? Torah is Torah study. And even when you give, you're reading the Torah, we're supposed to pay attention and listen to what is being said and understand the idea. This week we're reading Parshas Balak. So when we're hearing about how Balak was called to curse the Jewish people and God convert, flipped it over from a curse to a blessing. And here the ignorant person is gets an aliyah, doesn't understand one word, it sounds like Chinese to him. Unless he's from China, of course. Um, and he doesn't know nothing. And yet he makes a blessing. And the answer is because he's attaching, he's hearing the letters. The letters are even holier. So even if he has no idea what the concept conveyed in the letter, the letters are entering into his ear space, they're going in, it's being heard. Even if he doesn't understand anything. Because the reading of those letters, you're calling the Torah, you're saying those holy letters, or it's being said on his behalf. Even if he doesn't understand a word that is being said, the, the explanation or the content that's in it. So the words are greater than the content. The vessel is greater than the light. Awesome. It's in its source. As it is, it's lower. But in its source, it comes from a higher place. So look in Parshas Bereshis. In the very Gishmak, a very beautiful mimer called Vayitzar, where it talks about creation of man. The mimer that we learned. And the connection that we have, we, there we see between the connection of the inanimate to the human. In other words, the inanimate state is connected to the human, which is the highest more than to the plant and to the vegetation. Or rather, we should say like this, the human and the inanimate have a, have a, a better connection to each other than the human has with the plant or the human with the animal. Where do we see that? When God created Adam, we find that plants, when the, we're never laying 
lifeless, as dead, and then God entered their soul in them, and you know, all the plants jumped up and started, you know. It's <laughs> not what happened. From the very emergence, from their very inception, from their very coming into existence, they were already a plant, a soul and a body. They were never inanimate. Same as also animals. God created them as living entities. It wasn't like a carcass of a rabbit and then suddenly it came alive. The only, different, the only one that's an exception is the human. The human was once lying like a dead piece of clay. God takes up the earth and he forms it into clay and he makes him into a person. Makes him into a human body. And then he blows the soul into him. That's how this describes creation. So the human, who is the highest, is first he's in a state of inanimate more than everything else. And that's because of the relationship between Malchus and Keser. The domain, the inanimate is Malchus. The Keser, the human is Keser, Midaber. He's, that's why he's the king of creation. He wears the crown in the world in the sense that he's the highest creature. And, 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 and these two are connected. That's why the body of was first in an inanimate state. And even though we explained earlier, that the medaber includes everything. We're saying now that medaber, the human, has a special connection to the domain. But didn't we say earlier that each level includes all, thir- all below it? The domain only has domain, but the meaning the inanimate only inanimate. But the tzomeach, the, veg, the the plant has the inanimate and plant. An animal has the inanimate and plant and the animal. Each one has all three. So the human has all three. So why are we connecting the human dafka to the domain? The achai and also the the animal koil gamkit tzomeach the domain also has tzomeach and domain. Sorry. And so to tzomeach koydel b'chenas doimim, the tzomeach has within it, when it, within it the doimim as well. Al derech marshal hamidos shenikr tzomeach, just like we said earlier that the midos, the emotions that are called tzomeach, koydelim gamkim b'chenas doimim, they also have the doimim as we said earlier that when you cut the, the flower off or the plant off, it's it's doimim. And and in midos, where do you see that? That in an emotion. I'm going to show you how an emotion, which is the plant in the human psyche, you have the inner, you have words. Because every emotion, besides the emotion, which is the energy, also you feel an emotion with words. When you're angry, you're, you're, the emotion is experienced as words of anger. You're, you're expressing it in intense words. Or when you're feeling love, the love is being, your stream of consciousness of that love is, is, is with words, words of love. So many people are singing love and whatever. It's always with letters. Because when the emotion gets stirred up, it's not so, if you, know, if you don't pay attention, you might not hear the words, you're mainly feeling the emotion, but in it is of course words, it's always included. And the intelligence, which correspond to the level of animal, as we spoke earlier, also includes also the the vegetation, the 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 the, the plant, the And where do you see that? That in in an intelligence you also have the excitement from the intelligence. Even though even though while you're deeply in a concept you don't feel the excitement yet. But we know that if you really understood something rich and meaningful, you will get excited about it. And the excitement 
didn't, even though you feel it only later, while you're deep in the, in the, in the study of it, you're just feeling the idea, you're not feeling the ex that you're excited about the idea, but in a subtle way, it's there already. That means that the intelligent is giving birth and it includes in itself already the excitement. And, and in addition to that, there's also words because when you're hearing, you're thinking an idea, in a, there, is, there is words there. Every idea comes and emerges with words. So chai has tzomeach, which is midos, and also domeim, which is, which is the words. Shebeseichel. It has the midos of the seichel, the midos of the seichel, and the oisios. The Zainian is a very cool idea, and this is the idea of milu yud. Yud, you remember the yud kevavke from God's name? In yud, we know that yud is, represents chachma, the level of chachma, which is intelligence, the level of animal. Yet when you write out a yud, a yud is just one letter. But there's also hidden letters there, the letters of the milu. When you write out a yud, you have another two letters, Yud, Vav, Dalit. And what is that? So the Vav that's inside, hidden in the Yud, are the six emotions that are already included in this, in this idea. And the Dalit stands for Dibor, speech. And Dalit is also in the indic indicative of Malchus, which is the fourth level. So Yud, Vav, Dalit is Chachma, includes the six emotions and Dibor. Shuvav dalit havav hu shisha midas. The vav is the six emotions. Vadalit rubchenes dibur and dalit is speech. Shayeklulim tchilo beyud. They were first included in the yud shuchach. Vaachekach and afterwards tzamchu hamidos. The midos sprouted forth, forth v'nol duma seichel and they were born from the from the seichel. V'chein al derech zahak keser and the same is also keser. Shehim shuhu bchenas medaber and the same is also keser. So, so we saw how intelligence has the, the, other, the other two. And now ultimately, keser, which is the power of medaber, that's the human in the, in the, in the psyche. It's the human of the human, which we spoke earlier as the keser, the, 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 what's beyond intelligence. So that's koedel kola gimel It includes all three, because everything comes from keser. Where does chachma come from? Where does, where does our wisdom come from? Doesn't our wisdom also come from our pre-intelligence? Where does an idea suddenly come from? Where does the epiphany come from? It comes from the, the part of our soul that we don't know, our higher, our higher self. Our, and from there, bang. So the keser include, it produces the chachma. And from the chachma comes the midos, the emotions and speech and so on and so forth. So then why are we making such a big deal about the relationship of keser, of the pre-intelligence, to what? To speech, when it's really, because we say the speech comes from it, well, intelligence also comes from it. So he's going to explain, it, and emotions also come from keser. Everything comes from keser. Keser is the pure, simple energy that's not yet defined with any definitions, and therefore it's the source for everything. So why do we, why only the words? And so much so that we will, when we want to, you know, um, express the quality of keser, we call that quality as midaber, the one who produces words, and the words are the lowest. So he's going to explain now that even though everything stems from keser, in keser itself, there is levels. And wisdom comes, in keser, everything is totally upside down. It's an amazing thing. As things evolve, intelligence is highest, 
higher. Emotions are next in level. And then finally comes words. Words is the lowest, most limited, and so on and so forth. That's in a manifest state. But in the potential state, it's completely upside down. The highest, the, the, what's rooted in the inner, inner, inner core of Kesser is the power to make words, letters. On a more external level is the power of emotions. And on a more even external level is the power of intelligence. So what, what manifests in actuality as the highest in, 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 um, in potential, in its source, is the lowest. So letters, the osios, malchus, is higher than even chachma when it comes to keser. So he's explaining that. Um, oh, here we are. But first, he's not, getting, he's not holding by the answer yet. He's still explaining the question. He's showing how all the spherot are there in Kesser. Even Chachma is also in Kesser. That's why he's asking the question. We know that in Kesser, in the level of Kesser, there is, we spoke about it many, called Moyach Stima, the concealed Moach. And Moach is what? It's Chachma. That in Chachma Shebe Kesser, the Chachma that's in Kesser is called Moyach Stima, meaning it's not revealed wisdom, but it's the potential of wisdom in Kesser. There is the emotions of Erech Anpin. There's the Chesed of Erech Anpin. There's the Gevura of Erech Anpin, which Erech Anpin is Keser. And these emotions comes out that in Keser there's also emotions. Ubevadai, and definitely, We said before that the human includes animal and vegetation and inanimate. But the animal, as the animal exists as an independent being, and then the animal as, as it exists as part of the human, which is higher than him, which, which animal is higher? You might say, simply we would say that animal is animal. It's just that the human is animal plus. But the animal of the human is on the same level as the, as, as the plain animal. And he says it's not that way. It's definite, he says, that when you're dealing with a higher being, when it includes, when it has within it the lower entities, those lower entities, as they are included in a much higher source, are higher than that very entity as it exists separate. So the animal that's what, which is inhuman is much higher than the animal as a giraffe. And the reason I guess I'm saying a giraffe because a giraffe is the highest animal, the tallest animal, and yet the, the animal in the human is higher. And the same is in all levels. This that the higher one includes the lower one. They are far more praised, meaning they are far of greater quality than from these things as they exist outside, as independent. And if so, since Chachma is also rooted in Kesser, and, and over there the Chachma is so high, why do we make such a big deal about speech and call the Kesser level Medaber? Just like the Oisius are rooted from Kesser, they both originate in the same place in Kesser. So how can there be in letters something higher than Chachma? Which, as because of this, we said earlier that Kesser is called a speaker. 
al shem hadibur animshach lemenu because speech that comes from it v'lo al shem hachachma shenimshach gam kim yemenu hachachma also comes from kesher. Amnam yesh lomar of we can answer it as follows, and that's the answer that I told you earlier. Shashoyde shoyse is bekesher that the root of the of the letters that are rooted in kesher. It's from a much higher level, than the root of Chachma in that very in Keser. So Chachma is, is rooted deeper, I'm sorry, Malchus is rooted deeper in Keser than Chachma is rooted in Keser. Even though Shalamata, as, which means below, as things manifest, that Chachma is higher than letters. Avol b'sharshan, because chachma is energy, it's the pnimius, and the letters is the external. If you go to a class and you remember all the words the teacher said, but you have no clue what the concept, what they said, and then you have someone else who walks away with the concept, but he doesn't remember the words, who is in a, who is in a better position? The one who has the idea. They got something much richer from the teacher. And so you see, chachma is higher than words. Yet, that's in the manifest state, but in the in the panemius, in its hidden, in its source, the words are higher than the, than the energy of it. The sham, because in its keser, in the crown, the letters are even higher. It's explained in the Mimer in two weeks from now, Parshas Matos. Over there he explains, in general, regarding domim tzameachai, that we find that even though domim is the lowest, yes, Everything has to come onto the domain. Not everything needs the human. The world can do pretty well without the human. I mean, not in terms of fulfilling its purpose, but generally, you know, the earth can live on without the human. In many ways you can say it does better without the human. The animal can survive without the human. The plant can survive without the human. You're not going to have beautiful gardens, but still can survive without the human. But the human is the most needy. He needs animals. He needs... Uh, animals also needier than plants, and plants are needier than earth. Earth doesn't need anybody. So why is that? And earth supports everything, because in the source, the inanimate is higher than the other one. And, and, and the idea, and that's what he explains over there. And now he's going to explain it how in Kesar, what exactly? Again, it's a Kabbalistic, it's a Kabbalistic formula or a Kabbalistic idea, as he's going to explain it. The Ramaz explains in the beginning of Parshas Vayikra, the shoydish ha'osiyos, the root of the letters nimshachim, they're drawn mepchenes avira from the level called the ear, shalamaylam amayichstama that above the hidden brain, just like physics, physiologically, there is the skull, and then there is the the brain, and in between and on the brain there's a membrane, and and on the between the brain and the skull, there is space, and that ear. So that ref the reason why physically it's that way, that represents, I don't know if it's filled with liquid, I'm not exactly sure what goes on under the skull, but it's, it seems like it's ear, not liquid, it's ear. So, and as much as the human is created in the image of God, so we take the, the concept in, in Kabbalah that speaks about that, there is the moyach which is considered the inner brain, the hidden brain, the brain of Keter, of the crown, and on top of that is Avira, the ear. So being that the ear is higher than the skull, not higher than the skull, higher than the, um, than the brain, 
it's not just higher physically, it's higher in terms of source. In Kesar itself, the level of Avira, what's called Avir, is higher than the level called Mayachstima. Look at these three places. Hanukkah, famous mimer. We also learned that. And also the mimer, where over there he explains all this idea that how the shorish of the letters are so high. Over there in Hanukkah he explaining also about the, how the, the letters of davening are higher than the, than the kavanah of davening. Sometimes we wonder what's wrong with just meditating. Why do I have to say the words? And why can't I pray my own words? Why do I have to say these words of the Tilim? And the answer is these are holy words. And the words themselves, even without kavana, they register, they, they trigger so high. But I am Cain, and if so, so therefore the oisiyas the that come from the avir, from the avira, from the air, is higher than the shorish of arich, which comes from the moyach from the concealed moach of, of arich, which is keser. Which in general is associated with the level of Chachma of Kesar. And more, even the, the, this that we attribute Chachma, and we trace it back into Keter, and we say that Chachma comes from Kesar, but it comes from the, from the, from the Chachma Shebe Kesar. That relationship is also very, very distant and very removed. Meaning to say, the revealed, actualized Chachma. Chachma as that it's actually producing wisdom, it's producing intelligence, a, a, a tangible intelligence, and even in God's, God's intelligence, but a revealed intelligence, a, a specific idea, which obviously it emanates from the potential in the infinite to produce this intelligence, but its connection to that to the Chachma Stima, to the Chachma when it's in Kesser, to its actualization as a revealed Chachma is so removed, so far, so disconnected, not so, that it's connected, but so minuscule that it says that from Chachma Shebe Kesser there can never be a communication to the revealed Chachma. The hidden Chachma and the revealed Chachma could not communicate directly because it would, it would fry the brain. It would be energy, it would be infinite and boundless. We would never be able to operate. And it has to come through mazalis. And mazalis are called tiny little hair. That means the connection is, is, so, is so minuscule, like a little hair, which when we measure a hair compared to the brain, how much brain energy goes into one follicle of hair. We've spoke many times, a hair is a, is a narrow tube with a little space which represents a tube of energy can flow. So it's so minuscule. The gamal yedei mazalis v'saris, it comes only through what's called mazalot, mazalis and sirus and hair. It says that Chachma is yoinek. It's nursing from the from Kesser, from the from the from, from the from the mazal notzer notzer chesed. That's the that's the mazal means drip 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 through a tiny little hair. So two things. Number one, it's only coming from Moyach Stima, which Moyach Stima is considered in Kesser itself a lower level. And even from that level, it cannot nash directly, it can't communicate directly, only through a tiny little, very minuscule hamshach. But the letters, they're rooted in the ear, that is beyond ma'yachstama. And when we say it's rooted in there, not in a manner of such disconnect when it emerges. Because he doesn't say that it is, especially since he's drawing a contrast. Now, in general, this idea 
that even though something might manifest in the conscious and the revealed on a more higher level, but in its source, it's lower, is actually also not just when we're looking at um, the domain and the chai. We're doing a comparison between the two. Chachma is called chai, animal, and domain and words are called inanimate. And we were, and, and, and down here, the animal is much higher than the, than the stone. Yet, we, and therefore, ideas are higher than words. But in source, it's flip over. The same is also in the relationship just between the two closer ones, the animal and the tzomeach, which in the psychological experience is the intellect and the emotions. Intelligence is much higher than emotions, of much greater quality. That's only in the revealed experience of life. But in the, pre, the pre-energies of the soul, emotions register much deeper in your essence than, in, than intellect. Intellect is a much weaker energy, and that's why we know why emotions are so, so hard to deal with, because even though they're produced by the mind, they have certain muscle power that's much stronger than the mind, because they, in, in, in the soul itself, they, they're rooted much deeper in the pre-consciousness. Even though below, an animal is a far superior quality than a plant, and therefore the same is also in the psychological level. And the same is also the intellect. That's called animal. This is higher than the emotions. That's called plant. Nevertheless, Bisharshan in their root, that the Zeir Anpin, which are the divine emotions, and again, that trickles down down here as well. Our emotions are come from the Zeir Anpin, but the Zeir Anpin, which is the divine emotions, is really higher in its source, than Chachmebina, which is the intelligence. Where do we see that? As it says in Idra, it is again a part of the Zohar, Tadik Beis, um, yeah, in the, uh, on page Reish Tadik Beis, Abba ve'ima, father and mother, which is Chachmem bina, iskalilu b'mazla, are included in the mazel. That's where they come from, from the drip drop, as we spoke, from the little hairs that are coming down from moyach stima, from the infinite potential wisdom. Ube'italyon, and they're hanging on it, they're hinged on it. Ube'achidon, and they're unified with it. And Chassidus, it discusses these, all these, what, what this means. But all these um, expressions. But that's the level of Chachmem Bina. They're hanging from the Mazalais. Za, but the Zeranpin, Ba'atika Achid Vitalia, is rooted in Atik. Now, Atik is the Pneumius of Kesem, way above Mayach which is in in Arech. Mayach is in Arech which is the external element of Keser, Erech, Erech Anpin. We spoke many times that in Keser there's two levels, Atik Yom and the Ancient of Days and Erech Anpin. So Erech Anpin is already related closer to the creation, to, to, to the attributes, and, and Atik Yom is closer to Atmos, to the essence of God. It's, it, Keser in general serves as a, as a mediator between the Orin Sof and the Netzalim and the emanations where the outer part is closer to the emanations and the inner part closer to the Ein Sof. So Atik is closer to the Ein Sof, and the Midos are rooted in Atik, not in... Uh, and Ochid Vitalia, not only that, it's not just hanging from a string of it, it's rooted, it's registered, it's, 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 it's unified over there. Upidisham Arizal, and Arizal explains, Sha'aba ve'ima that Abba ve'ima chachma minu mushpa ma'chachma she'be keser are influenced from chachma of keser. 
Where again, we're talking about revealed Chachma, as it is deriving energy from the pre-Chachma, which is in Kesar, only Ayadei Mazla, only through a little here, as we said, but the Zayin Yoiser is more influenced from above. It's even influenced from higher than the level of Keser of Erech Ampen, which is the external of the crown. And the Arizal says that for that reason, Zayin Ampen is sometimes it's of greater quality than Chachmen Bina. Even though Chachmen Bina is, is generally on a such a higher level than them, but there is some potency and some quality to them that's superior to them. The children are rooted higher than the parents in this sense. That's why, as we explain, it's important not just to serve God by having the right convictions and the right ideas, but to actually get excited. The emotions are very important. Uh, in, in, in the, in the Mimer talks about the Oves because the Oves represent the emotional range and why they are so yeah. comes out in the source the plant is higher than the animal and we see that in one of the mitzvahs we see by one of the Karbonis and see what we wrote on Shavuot in the Holy Temple during the holiday of Shavuos, they would wave, they brought these two special breads. And in addition to the special bread, they brought two, two a sheep. And they had to wave them together. Two sheep that came in honor of the bread together with the two breads. And the way they waved it was they put the, the, the two lambs on the bottom and the two breads went on top of the lambs. Now everything that you're doing physically in the Beis Amigdash is reflecting. A spiritual dynamic. You're not just waving lambs and breads over here. It's not a. This is a. This is a cosmic flow. This is a, attaching heaven and earth. Attaching all. So, but everything is so precise. So the Torah says that the breads go on top, even though the breads are made up of wheat, which is tzomeach, and the animals is chai. So the animals that represent chachma and bina, and the and the and the and the breads represent the tzomeach, which is the emotions. So you should put the animals on top of the bread. Here they would put. The bread's on top of the animal. And the answer is because in the source, we said, in Kesser, where you're waving it, you're waving it, you're picking up to the source, into Kesser, over there the bread is higher than it. But as great as the tzomeach is, that the, 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 the plant is higher than the animal, the inanimate is even higher. But the doimeim is even higher, even from the tzomeach. Because letters... Sharsha Ma'avira is rooted in the ear that's, as we spoke earlier, that's above the brain. Canal. Asher that dafke in the level called Avira. I don't, I don't know the explanation to what he's saying over here, but this is what it says. Hugiloi is the revelation. Radla. Radla stands for Reisha is Galia, the head that's not revealed. The head that's not revealed is the Keter of Atik Yomim. And the Keter of Atik Yomim is weird. I'm sorry, the Keter of Atik Yomim. The Chabad of Atik Yomim. Reisha Deloi Yisgalian is, we have to put it this way, the Gimel Rishayna is the first three, Keser Chachmem Bina of Atik, which is infinitely and boundlessly higher than Moach Stima. Moach Stima is the Moach, the Chachma of Erechant, the lower dimension of Keser. This is Reisha Deloi Yisgalian of the three Mochen 
of, of Atik Yoma, which is basically where that facilitates the orange Sof itself, Mamish, <laughs> as is. So, and where does that reveal itself? In the avir, in the ear that's above the, the, the brain. So that's, so what did we say earlier? We said earlier that the Midos are rooted in at Atik, but they're rooted in the Midos of Atik, in the emotions of Atik, not in the first three, the seven lower of Atik, not in the first three of Atik. The first three of Atik are on a whole, and therefore it's called it's the head that can't be revealed. And Dafka, the letters are rooted so high. Shalomai legamba kesar derechampin, which is higher even than the crown of erechampin, which is atik. Vechem mashma beitz chaim shar erechampin perik beis da malchus shoshem midrad lo, that malchus, which malchus is where letters are, is rooted in erech erechad lo is galyan at this high level. The malchus of chinas doimim, the malchus is doimim v'dibur. This all explains why the most precious person in all of the biblical figures to God is King David. Mashiach, King David. Like you would think, from all the great tzaddikim, why the love so much for King David, even more than Avram, more than anybody? It's like everything is on King David. Because David is Malchus. And Malchus is Domain. And that's why David Melech says, I'm silent, like a, like a stone. And what does he build? He builds a temple. He doesn't build a temple. He prepares the temple. A temple made up of stones. He's the one who prepares the physical dwelling for God because ultimately physicality, which is... And when we say physicality, I mean not the life in the physical. The physical of the physical. The brute matter of the physical, which is the lowest of the low, in essence is the highest of the high. And that's why we spend all of our energies in Judaism so busy with physical mitzvot that impact physical matter and the preciousness of the body over the soul. It all, all comes together with all of so once we have an understanding of all these dynamics of this, now he's going to say how all this translates into the red heifer. And this is the idea of the work that we work with the paraduma. And you'll see over here that in this burning up and lifting up, we're going to take every part of existence, both the physical element of it and it's representing it, the spiritual dynamics of all these four levels and lifting them up and melting into, into the Ein Sof so that we can trigger the Ein Sof and draw them down. Kiyo Efer, because the ashes, who Allah Osman, the ashes represents burning up for God. We burned ourselves up to ashes. And that's called the raising of feminine waters. Feminine waters means the, the creation, which in this case is female because it's receiving from God who is male, is lifting herself out of herself to reach for the infant. So Allah is man, it's called the raising of feminine waters, which is the yearning of the female to the man. And included in this, Haman, included in this feminine water, from all three elements, it's included, why? You would say it's an animal. What's the afer made out of? Afer is made out of an animal. So it's a lifting of an animal. No. First of all, the animal itself is no more animal. The animal is now inanimate. It was an animal before. Now it's an animal. But since it's inanimate from an animal, so what do you have? You have both the animal and the inanimate. Because you have afer, which is from a para. Sha'a para The para is 
represents the dimension of chai, which either is animal, but psychological represents the entire realm of intelligence. Vinasa afer, it becomes ash, which ash is, as he said, domain, the inanimate, which is both letters, words, and also inanimate. And what did, but in addition to that, what did they throw into the burning? When they burnt the cow, they had to also throw in two, two, two um, plants. Vegam eats erez, a tree of a cedar tree, the azoiv and a small little blade of grass, a hyssop grass. And why these two? Because remember we said about tzomech, it grows big and small. These two represent the big tzomech and the small the expanded tzomeach and the small tzomeach. Because that's the whole idea of tzomeach, from small to big. So it has two kinds. The hyssop grass is very small, and the, the shida tree is a tall tree. You're taking from both of them, representing the element of a midot, of emotions, that sometimes are small, sometimes are big. But yet, with, and, we're, and we're including that in the elevation. Now, the tzomeach, as we spoke earlier, is tzomeach, but it's not only tzomeach, it's also domain. Because we said that before, that a tree, if you chop it off from its place, it's also inanimate. And the tzomeach also includes within itself, it's also the tzomeach. If you have a, a house, as we said, that's, that's made from logs, the house, is not, the, log, the house doesn't get bigger every day, because now it's a domain. Okay, so now what do we have so far? We have domain, we have tzomeach, and we have chai, which is the para. What are we missing? We're missing the human. Now, we're not going to throw a human being, God forbid, into this mix to burn him. What, what, what was burnt? Oh, but we took along this. Remember, the last thing that we threw into it was a red, a ribbon dyed red. Now, what was the dye made out of? It's called shni, which is a ribbon. Toilas. Toilas is a certain type of a worm that through this worm, they would make the red dye. Maybe it's the blood from it. I'm not exactly sure what it is that from the worm. Okay, so what does it have to do with anything? This is a type of worm that the, the, the Talmud says about it, that it has incredible power in its mouth. It can eat away like termites. Termites are the tiny little creatures that they can eat through walls. And then the toilas, I'm not sure it eats through stone, but it eats through very intense materials. Koho, it's power. It has, it's such a small animal, and the sages say it has such power with its mouth. Physically, you would expect it not to have any. Its mouth is like an iron, like a drill. So the sages say that the Jewish people are compared to a tailas because our powers were in our mouth. Oh, the power in the mouth means the power of the medaber, the speaker who has the power in the mouth to create letters. So the shni tailas is, even though it might seem like the most unimportant thing in the mixture, it's actually the highest in the whole mixture because this represents the level of keter, the level of medaber. Shnit toilas ubchenas dibur is speech. Why? Because the toilas shekoychoy bepiv. Its power is in its mouth. Nimtza comes out usharsha neged ubchenas medaber. Its root is corresponds to medaber. Vegam and also haosi es adibur atzma ubchenas daimin. And here you have both. You have the medaber, the one who's producing the toilas that's powers with its mouth to produce speech. And what are you producing? Speech. And what speech? We spoke earlier. Speech itself is domain, the inanimate. So here you have the human and the inanimate in the Shanitai Las. 
Now, when you're taking all these things together, you have a powerful mixture, potent of every element of existence. The coals and all of this, I know, all of this is because the action of the red heifer of the paraduma, who clothes pchenes rotzei v'shuv, this is the general power of rotzei, of excitement towards God, of erasing towards Hashem, v'shuv and retraction. Elchei nikra, and that's why it's called chukas And for that reason, it's called the choik of the Torah. It's one statue, it's one mitzvah. Why is it called the law of all of the Torah? Because this is one mitzvah that, that stands for all of the Torah. That's why the efer, the ash, which represents this elevation and, 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 and racing towards the, the excitement and the passion and the fervor to break free from the constraints of the, of the finite, to reach for the infinite, is including every element of creation. From every element in the world. The inanimate plant, an animal, which means also the medaber, also the human. Just like it is in the elevation, that the elevation incorporates everything because it's representing all of Torah and mitzvahs, everything. In the descent, the, the reciprocation that happens as a result of the ascent, what we call sometimes masculine waters, God responding, the male responding to the female's desire for, for her intimacy with him. So he responds. So that too is a very powerful response. And therefore, afterwards, when? What are you doing after you have the ash? We, we go get water, living water, mayim chayim, living waters. And we pour and we and we mix it with the ash and we put it el keli into a keli into a vessel, and the, the coming into a vessel means drawing it into containers back into the world. The ash means out of containers, out of anything containment, out of any. I don't want to be in existence. I want to melt out of my existence. And then going back into a vessel means you, know, you are somebody. You're in the world. You're in. You're important, your life is important, your, your house is important, your family is important, your business is important, your, uh, your little detail, the, most, the smallest detail of details in your, in your existence is important, but they should be filled with godly content. Have God flow into them, in the vessel. And you put upon them living waters. This is the drawing down of the masculine waters. Mibchin is from which level? Where are we drawing down? Water is chachma. But we're not just taking regular water. We're taking spring water. So we got good crystal geyser spring water over here. So we're taking the spring water. And what are we doing? What's the idea of spring water? Spring water means not just water. But water that comes from, the water is chachma. But the water that's coming from, from the earth, from the spring, which is representing the deepest hidden state. Chachma that is not... Now sometimes you have water, or a water source that's, that's on the open, that's outside, that's, that's above the surface. So that represents regular chachm. But when you have a spring, it means that you're recognizing, you see the water bubbling up from beneath the earth. And the source is hidden. So that represents chachma as, as it is still rooted in keter, where you can't see it, it's hidden. And that's where life Chachma as it is in its source, and Mayach Stima, Shu'ubchenes Mayach Stima, which is Mayach Stima. But even, 
you're going to say, which is that very high lofty level, and that's where life comes from. That's where you're drawing the water. But hold it. Why are we only drawing from Mayach Stima? If we said earlier that only the animal, which is the level of intelligence, is rooted in Mayach Stima. The Tzomech, which is the level of plant, is rooted higher than Mayach Stima. It's rooted in the emotions that are in, 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 in Atik, not just in, in Erech Anpin, right? We spoke earlier. And Osios letters, they're rooted even higher in the, in the first three, Deisha Deloyah's Galian, and much higher. So why when, you're, when God is reciprocating and channeling, it's not from where we're, where we're sending up. It should be from, so he's going to explain that in a moment. It is from where. We're going to get to that. Let's leave that for a little, for soon. But the main idea is that there's a powerful response coming back from a very quintessential early source, and that's what's invigorating all of creation anew. McCall's and Yuvan from all this will understand Gamkein Indian. He's bringing it back to what we said earlier. That as a result of this mitzvah, we're going to cause that Havaya, which Havaya? The Yudke of the etched letters, the letters as they are not beyond Chachma. Havaya as it is the higher Havaya, Lamer to connect to Chachma. Shemibchinas Oisi is the Atik from the letters of Atik Yomin. Nimshachlius Mokr Lachachma. This is the idea of Mayim Chayim. That there's a connection between Chachma and Moyach Stima, and the flow is, a, is, a, is, is, is from, from this very core essential place. Which Chachma, as we spoke earlier, on its own is called speech, like written letters. These letters where we're drawing now from are coming from beyond Chachma. We're talking about etched letters. Ah, we're drawing the oisiyos as they are in keser, which oisiyos in keser are much higher even than mayach stima. Shal shem zanikra keser medaber, like we mentioned earlier, that keser is called medaber. Now, especially since we're putting into it the shenitay las, the 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 the, the, um, the ribbon, we died from this blood of the from the from the from the worm. There's powers in his mouth. So we're reaching up, 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 higher than Chachma, higher than even the source of Chachma in Keser. When they come down, when they come down here, letters are treated cheaply. They are served as garments, or as a home. The words is like a house for the Chachma. They house the Chachma, they house the wisdom. But as the letters are in their source, they're beyond Chachma. And that's the meaning that we're touching those letters. Those are called the engraved letters. As they're still one with the stone, which is the essence. And that, that these letters we are connecting down into Chachma. And that means that we are drawing it down into the Mayim Chayim. The Mayim is Chachma. Mayim Chayim is Chachma as it's coming from its source. But even that's not enough. We're drawing down even, we're giving a certain potency into it, and that's by putting the ash. The ash we put on top of the water. Why? Because the ash is really, the ash is made up of all these things, all these ingredients, which of them you have something that goes higher even than Mayach Stima when it's racing upward into its source. It's lodging itself into the very, very essence, into the Reisha Deloyes guy in the head that's not known infinitely beyond Mayach Stima. And from there, we're adding to the spring water. That, in other words, the spring water itself is not enough. 
The spring water itself is already coming from Keter. It's coming from Moyach No. But that's only from Moyach which is the lowest level of Ket in Keser. Here we're going up two notches higher, all the way into the Asia and that's the potency by putting the Afer onto the thing. That's what he's explaining. That's why he said, that Havaya is commanding, the core essential Havaya is commanding Lamar. It should be connected. And a flow from the letters of Shem Havaya the Atik, from the, of, as we said, the higher Shem Havaya. El B'chines HaChachma, Tu Chachma, V'zeo Lengmar, Ashet Siva, that's commandment also means connecting. Havaya, the higher Havaya, Lengmar, Tu Chachma. V'ef Shaloymar, now the Tzemach Tzedek says, that is not from the Altar Rebbe, the Tzemach Tzedek says, it's possible to say, the Pidush Kiddush Mechatos, what does it mean? The, the idea of taking the, the mixing the water with the ash has is a very, 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 very meticulous procedure. And the tiniest little, there's a lot of laws pertaining it. Not anybody can do it. It's so meticulous. You make the tiniest little glitch, if you do a little work or you're doing, you're doing something other while you're doing, you can ruin the whole thing in one second. So you see that this is some very, very deep spiritual dynamics that are taking place when you're adding the ash to the water. In Masechtas Parah, in Rambam, Hilchus Parah, Duma, there's so much detail over here. Mind-blowing. And it's called sanctification of the, of the waters of atonement. Why is it called sanctification? Holying, making it holy. Because through the raising of the afer from the paraduma, we're drawing, it's up to the ultimate level of holiness. Now, holy means removed. What's the highest level of removal? of something that's removed and abstract and beyond, that's in Kesar itself, the Pneumius of Atik Yomim, which is removed, and in that itself, the first three of Atik Yomim, which are called Reisha Deloyiz Gali, that are not revealed, that are not revealed, meaning it's untouchable, that's Kodesh, that's holy. And from there we're reaching and drawing down. Mibchinas Kodesh Elyon from Kodesh Elyon, which is called Tala de Bedulcha, which is called the... Do from the crystal, from the crystal, which we had a whole, remember, we have, I have a, on, you can look it up on, on YouTube, you can look it up in the website. There's a whole a class on the idea of Tala de Bedulcha, of the crystal do, the do that come, which is, 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 is we're, uh, we, we, whatever, <laughs> we learned it a long time ago, but it's, Awesome stuff. Last year, we had like five classes on it. Last year, maybe two years ago. Uh, the, the image that we have on YouTube of that is some, where it explains that the, that the crystal stone has a little redness to it, which the redness represents a certain tinge of redness. And we have actually a picture of it on the, on the sheer uh, icon of the stone. And it represents, the redness represents a certain intensity that there is in Gavura in, in, in this very, very deep high level. And this adds to Chachma. You know, other words, Ma'ichstima would be mellow. It adds a, a, an intensity to it. It draws from the, as we're speaking now, from a high, high, high. Tao de Belucha ba Ma'im Chaim, into the water. And his slapshus, it's the enclosement, Gvura da Atik, the Gvura of Atik Yomen, 
which in Gevur of Atik Yomen is, 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 is connecting to the the Reisha Deloy Yisgalian that we spoke earlier, Bimayachstima, Inmayachstima. Ba'ayna Shem Hamshichem Ibchinas Medaber, Mekor Adibor, from the Medaber, the source of speech, Bichinas Ke'imcham Mekor Chayim, with you is the source of life, Misham Hamshichem Bahamayim Chayim. We draw the mocker of the Mayim Chayim into the Mayim Chayim, into the living waters. Shubchinas Chachma Allah, which is the higher Chachma, Hanikra Chay, which is called Chay, Chayim, Chay. We're called animal. And afterwards, and then we take this incredible, potent mixture, this incredible, potent, powerful that's connecting to the quintessence of God Himself to do what? When you throw this on a person, the powers of impurity run for their life. Because on this level, they can't exist. When we have this powerful mixture of water, which is supernal chachmila, with the with the energy of keser included in it as a result of the halal of the paraduma through the letters particularly through the shnitoy through the red ribbon and made this powerful the rotsoi then we're drawing it down we have this most potent um, um, formula that the klipa and any power of impurity cannot stand and it it's eliminated immediately why oh, do we need that a little bit now okay so that's the idea so now, to understand a little bit, really, till now is one Indian. Now he's going to start taking the concept of paraduma. What does it mean, the rutso? How does the rutso work? What does it mean in our own avoda? It's a very powerful stuff. Uh, till here is really where I wanted to learn last class. It would have been completed in Indian, and here could have been a new class. What we're going to do today is we're going to learn this passage. I'm not going to finish the mimer. That would take me another probably... To learn the whole mimer would take us another three, two and a half, three hours that I couldn't do. I'm planning to learn Tol Siv Dalid. And then um, tomorrow, being that I've, I've told you that these now are freed up on Fridays, the long Friday. So tomorrow, either in the morning or before Shabbos, I want to get this finished, the mimer of Chukas. So next week we can learn already on Pinchas. Okay. So Lohav and Ma'at Meze'er. Hashem should give the koach, we should be able to do it. To understand understand a little bit of the idea of the para. What's the whole idea of taking dafka the para? Why are we taking a red heifer? Because we explain it's a living entity and we want to make the elevation from the living entity. Take any living entity. Why is it a cow? Why a red cow? So, number one, he's going to begin why do we start with the cow? It is known because when we have to fix death, we have to fix death means we have to fix the left side. Because the left side is where all the, the, the darkness and detachment comes from. Because in general we know that there are three channels that flow from God. The right, the middle, and the left. And the left is the most restricted. And therefore, the most darkness and evil festers on the left. And we see it in many ways already, right? Because from the left side of the divine channel is where the chitzonim, the external entities, they derive their energy. Now, we find that, that the Talmud, that the Zohar says, Reishe the Esav, the head of Esav, be'utfe, be'atufe de Yitzchak. That's atufe, or atfe, foi de Yitzchak. That the head of Esav is in the lap of Yitzchak. What does that mean? 
Simply the Zohar is referring to that when, when Yaakov needed to be buried, when Yaakov passed and they brought Yaakov to bury him in Ma'aris HaMachpelah. So Esav came and he, and he, and he, um, he protested. He didn't want to let them pass. In the end, they chopped his head off. It was a whole story. They went to get the deed that Yaakov, Esau sold to Yaakov, and one, one of the grandchildren of Yaakov was deaf, and he couldn't hear what's going on, and he thought there's a troublemaker here. He didn't know exactly what's going on. He got angry. He took out his sword and chopped his head off. So Esau died. That's what Yerifka said, that you both will die on the same day. They didn't die literally the same day, but the, the burial was at the same time. When he chopped his head off, the head went rolling in to the Ma'aras HaMachpelah, and Esau's head landed on Yitzchak's. How weird went into the cave, landed in Yitzchak. That's what it says. Yitzchak's. So Esau, Yitzchak was always very attached to Esau, but only to his head. Because the upper part of Esau had a lot of potential good. So the head of Esau is in Yitzchak's lap. So Kabbalistically, we say that Esau is wickedness. And the grandfather of Amalek and so on and so forth. And yet, he's, he, where is he sourced? Where is he rooting in? In Yitzchak. Now, Yitzchak is the left side, because Avram is the right side, Chesed, Yitzchak is left. So we see that the beginnings of unholy is rooted in the left side. The Zohar also refers to this. Gold, silver and gold. Silver is mellow and light. Gold is intense. So gold is on the left and silver is on the right. Silver is, it looks more watery. It's chesed, which is water. And gold is fire. Sparkles, fire is on the left. Gold comes with, when you extract gold, it has impurities in it, it has schmutz. So the, the, the schmutz that's in the gold represents the potential of evil that's in the left side, even of holiness. Not God forbid that there's anything bad on the left of holiness. In the power, the divine power of Gevura, everything is good. The problem is like this. Because Gevura, what's Gevura? Gevura, the right side is to, is to flow. The left side is returning energy. Like, like fire. Fire goes up and water goes down. flows outward. So the energy of the left is all a powerful tshuva energy. It's an energy with a, where the, the, the source is felt. And, and, and the energy wants to go back into it so it doesn't want to go out. So even when God, so to speak, forces the energy down to the left side as well, because there has to be a, a left, and there's energy, but it's very, it's very, it's fighting it. The left fights the flow outward. So the left is constantly, I'm talking about the godly energy of the left is creating motion, an inward motion. It's a good thing because, for example, if God would only create the creation through the right and he wouldn't mix right and left, then we would be, the energy would flow outward and we would become so content with where we are, we would never have the ability of experiencing the, the returning, the tshuva, the, the fire. We need that. But on the energy level, when that happens too much and the, and, the, and the energy is resisting going out, so even when it goes out, it goes out very reluctantly. And because it goes out very reluctantly, it goes out very little bit. A very, a, very, a very little amount of energy expresses itself, of godly energy, in the left. So as a result of that, there's no godly revelation there. In the right side, since the energy is happy to go out, so it's expressing the divine in a very conspicuous, open way. So all those that are receiving it are, are feeling God very strongly. So those who receive from the right side 
are, obviously everything is mixed, it's all joined together, but there are still more in general, there are those who are receiving from the right, like the angels Michael and his camp, and then on the left. So those that are receiving from the right side have much more God in, in their soul, have a naturally much more godly consciousness. And therefore there's less evil. But on the left, that's what you see in what we call today right. The right is far more conscious of God, far more God-fearing. The left is not God-fearing. It, 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 and that's all a, a because the energy, of, but, but the real, I spoke about it in a short video I made this week, um, the real reason for that is because the energy is in a state of tshuva all the time, retracting. So, but to the recipient, it's not, it's like when, a, when <laughs> it's like when there's a grand, like for example, the Rebbe. And the Rebbe is the grand Rebbe, right? He sends his shluchim out to go teach. So there's someone who embraces the mission to go out and teach, and he's really excited about teaching. So he goes out and he teaches. So his students are going to get a lot. The second fellow, who's going out, but he doesn't want to go. He wants to stay by the... He goes reluctantly. He so doesn't want to go. He's forced to go. And when he goes... Now, everybody's really supposed to go out reluctantly because you want, should want to be stay by your source. But there's a difference. There's someone who's go, he's reluctant, but then he also appreciates the mission and he knows what it's about and he's excited to teach. The other guy goes reluctant, doesn't want to teach. So even though he's teaching, what, what kind of teaching is it when he doesn't want to teach? So there's no energy there. There's no force. So those that are receiving are not receiving much. And therefore, they're staying in a in a in a in a in a in, a, in the dark. And when there is absence of light, all kinds of negative things happen. But the one thing that they could learn from their teacher, who doesn't want to teach, is they could learn the power of tshuva because they see how much the teacher is longing back to the source. So the energy of left is really the energy of tshuva, which is really the secret. So we're going to see if Ezra Hashem, the biggest tshuva going to come from the left. Let, let us see that, if the own good can come from the left. That let the suddenly flip over with such an incredible yearning to God because the, the source that's creating and that's allowing for the klippa to exist on the left is really because of the tshuva of the light. The light is in a state of our chaydu. Let's be explaining over here. The levels of Gevura and the left side is to be in a state of Orchoyzer retracting light. Vrerotsoy and racing the histalkos and departure, likolol, to be reabsorbed by Oring Saif Baruchu and the Oring Sof and the Infinite. Vuhepech Pchenesam Shachavagilulamata. It's the opposite of the flow outward of energy flowing and revealing itself below. And when finally, reluctantly, the Gevura does go down and reveal a little bit of energy to its constituents. It's very, very little because it's doing a favor. It doesn't want to go out. It wants to stay in its source. So obviously this doesn't happen on the earlier levels of the left side. It's all holy. But as it travels further and further and the tzimtzumim, the contractions become more and more and more and more and more, less, less, less. So at the very tail end, it can start producing some really nasty stuff. Lekach, therefore, b'ri Many, many contractions. Nimshach mazel lamata. It brings about below gvuras kashas, harsh gvuros. V'yenikas achitzaynim and the deriving of energy for the bad guys, for the, for the extraneous forces. Ma'ashen kemekava yamin, which doesn't happen on the right side. Shepchines madregis achesed because since the right side is the level of kindness, the kava, Yemen, and the right, 
On the right side, the direction is to bring about a flow and revelation of the infinite. Lamata, downward, in a revealed, in a light that's flowing out, in a direct. Therefore, even when it goes down below, below, it always has enough revelation. It doesn't allow for the deriving of the extraneous, for Faklipa to, to, to uh, come about. Why? Because wherever it goes, it showers the recipient with so much con- godly consciousness and it creates bittle. It, it, it brings the bittle down below. And therefore all trouble is on the left. And look at what the Ramah says. I didn't look it up, so I don't care you. God says, bring upon me an atonement. The beginning itar, because of them. The Masha Kosov Shom, from what it says over there, Yuvan Ech Mekava Smile, you'll see from there how from the left side, Yashmakam Liyanika Sachitsainim. There is room for the deriving of energy for the unholy. Now, the, it's, obviously, this doesn't happen on the higher levels, as we mentioned. The Ikrbi Yatsira Vasiya. And the main trouble that starts in the left is already in the world of formation and in the world of completion, but not in the world of creation. Not, because over there it's still, and not, definitely not in the world of emanation, because over there it's still holiness, is very powerful. The further you go down, the more the Gevura splinters, the more it becomes, you know, detailed energy. That's one of the powers of the left, is to, to detail things, to specify. Um, and, it, and it becomes more detached from the chesed. You see, in the higher worlds there is more, there is more integration between right and left. But as things become more expressed, everything is going out into its more particular. So then, because uh, the Gavur is more specified and individualized. When it's still in the world of Bria, and definitely in the world of emanation, where over there the right and the left are integrated. And that's the idea of the red heifer. The Kabilis Mesmala. This is an animal who represents the left side. Kabilis, she's receiving Mesmala from the left. Why? Because we know in the chariot, there are the four beasts, angelic beasts, which the form that Yeshaya, Yecheskel um, saw, Ezekiel, when he looked, he saw that on the right side he saw the lion, and on the left side he saw the ox. What's the cow? Female ox. So it's on the left side. The kabilis masmol. From the from the side of the of the ox that's on the left. And the para. So that's the shor. Now the shor, the face of the ox is very very holy. It's a holy angel. Holy holy shabbat holy. It's in bria. It's holy over there. It's pure holiness. But from it can derive the unholy. And what, what do you mean the unholy derives from it? Klipa starts to form. Klipa meaning that which obscures God and is less conscious of God. And the first klipa that exists is called klipas noga. So on the left side is where klipas noga becomes far more fermented than on the right side, far more developed. Klipas noga. Para is the female, the red heifer represents the female of 
Klippa Nova, because everything operates in male and female. So in Klippa, there's also male and female. So the female element of Klippa Noga, which is where, which by the way, in Klippa, it says the female is much stronger than the male. So is the nukva of noga. Like writes, that is known. Now, klipas noga itself is not yet real trouble. Klipas noga is a very subtle klipa, but because of its subtlety and it's not so bad, it is really where everything starts. Like in a person's life, if we're not careful with the small stuff, and we think small stuff. Eh, yeah, yeah, then we end up with real big problems. We have to be, always be vigilant in the small stuff. Klippas Noga is the sandwich, is the communicator, is the mediator between the real dark stuff, the really anti-godly entities, and holiness. So in between is the Klippa. The three impure klipot, the real impure, that are really impure, they're the root of the real evil inclination. That in a person, where do we encounter real pure klipa? In the evil inclination. When our evil inclination tells us to do bad stuff, sinful things, this is all real dark klipa. God forbid, the, the, the desire, God forbid, to kill someone, to murder. Veniof, or the desire lustful desires to commit adultery or, or other sexual sins that are real sins. The gazelle, or to be, or, or uh, financial uh, gazelle stealing. The Hara and gossip and things like that, which are, the Torah says is real evil. The domeim and the like. That's who stimulates, where is that voice coming from? That's coming from a klipa, from a dark demon that has entered into one's consciousness, and that's the Yetzirah. And they come from the three impure klipas. But klipas noga is on a much higher level. It's not, klipas noga would never suggest an agent of klipas noga, a member of klipas noga, is so much, is conscious of God, would never dare suggest to violate one of God's commandments. It's complete disregard to God, God forbid. So klipas noga can't do it, it's too conscious of God. But it can say, go have a good time. Don't do sin, but have a good time. Have a good time in a godless state. <laughs> you can forget about God for five minutes. You're not sinning, not transgressing. Klipas Noga is the root of the Yetzahara, of the evil Gnashal Taivaset, the permissible enjoyments that are just not useful in serving God. When they are not for the sake of the service of Hashem. They're just for the pleasure of the body. And we know that when a person allows himself to indulge, even if you stay within the kosher, when you're indulging, God forbid, a, very, a person is very close because from there, they move, become thicker and less sensitive. And then even when something is a sin, it doesn't feel like it's so terrible. Because klipas noga is a mixture of good and bad. So the good does not allow it to go, to go rebel against God completely. But it has bad as well. It's good, there's still a little, in its inside, in its inner core, good, holiness descends and goes into it. And the good goes and clothes itself in the bad. In order for her to receive life, the klipa, from the good side of Noga, it's receiving from holiness. 
because klipa cannot directly plug into holiness. Holiness is life and, 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 and open godliness. Klipa can't go there. So the good side of Noga, which is good, could go there even though it's not holy, but it's good. And, and, but, and then from the good of Noga goes into the bad of Noga, and then the bad of Noga feeds the klipas. V'zeo de Kabilis, it serves kind of as some kind of a transmitter over there. V'zeo de Kabilis, mebchenas p'nei shor shebe And that's what we mean, that the para, the red heifer, which is klipa, is receiving from holiness. She, her, her man, her mashpia, her, her influencer, is the ox of holiness. Because we said before, from the holiness of the left side comes klipa. And then once she receives this energy, the red heifer, she's the real troublemaker. She's innocent. Well, she is a red cow. She's not doing make any trouble. She's not a vicious creature. She's not a mess. She's not a crocodile <laughs> or, or a man-eating shark. Like a red cow, very innocent, who likes to mellow in the grass and have a nice time. Nothing wrong with it. But spiritually, her energy feeds. And then, you see, if they wouldn't, if, if she, here's the thing, that's why it's so crucial to fix her. Because if we, as long as she's around, then the clippers have access. Once we fix her, we elevate her, we into holiness, we'll see soon, we transform her. Then, and we'll see what that means in our own lives, then the clippers are cut off completely. They have no access to us. They can't drain us. They can't, they can't hack our soul and drain our energy. And she gives life to the real impure klipas and to the other side, through her bat. Nimtza comes out, the red heifer is the one that connects. That there should be drawing a, 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 a energy from the ten attributes of holiness, which is a holy flow, to the ten crowns of the impure. She, trans, she transmits the energy from the... So she's the real kerplet. So in other words, when, when our Yetzirah sneaks up with us to just do things that are not bad, it's in a sense much worse than when it's coming out and telling you to do a real bad stuff. Because here is really he's playing, he's playing you. He's giving you stuff that are like, make you... All he's trying to do is to desensitize you. Once he's got you desensitized... Like we know evil always does that. It doesn't immediately approach you and try to like control your life and destroy you completely. It just wants to you know, gain access. It wants to gain access. Once it gains access, you get comfortable with it, then you become less sensitive, and then you don't, you don't realize when it really gets you. Um, it, it, once it feeds the energy to the ten impure klipas, which are the root of real evil, well, the sakins and to fix this, so as a result of Yetzirah comes real sin, and as a result of real sin comes complete disconnect from God, which leads to death, which leads to all problems in the world. So to fix all of that, we have to fix it. And where do we fix it? We have to fix it at the point of disconnect, where the disconnect begins to disconnect, and that's the red heifer. And to fix this comes the mitzvah of the red heifer. And that's one of the reasons why this is the one sacrifice, the one procedure of a sacrifice that's not done in the temple, it's done outside of the temple. The verse says specifically, um, you should take out the red heifer, out of the camp. You, first it's brought into the temple, but then you take it out of the camp. And the whole procedure of burning it is done on a mountain that's equivalent and a cross 
across uh, from the temple, not in the temple mount, outside. So only, generally, you're not allowed to offer any sacrifices outside. This is dafka done out. You're not allowed to do it inside. So he explains why is it done the whole outside. It's because inside the temple represents the world of Atsilos, the world that's attached to God. Over there, there is no red heifer. The red heifer can't, on that level, the klipa is not klipa. Maybe the, if the cow comes in there, on that level, it's not, it's not harmful. It's only when it's in the lower level, in Bria, means outside of the machana, that's when it can, that's when it really can become a source of leakage and darkness and so forth. Because in Atzilos, he and his vessels are one, and even the left side is one with him. And in that case, there's no bad that can come from the left. The smallest, and the left is integrated with the right. The Entrum Yanika, and there's no life, God forbid, flowing from the left to the Klippa. The Gam Chutz Mebria. And when you say you have to take it outside, not even in the world of Bria, because the world of Bria is also still dominated by holiness. Because even there, though there is klipa in Bria, the klipa snoga of Bria, of the glowing shell, if Bria, it's still mostly good. Only when it comes down into the third world, which is Yitzira, half good, half bad. And in the world of Asiya, it's mostly evil. Only a little good mixed in it. And so that's one reason. The whole entity of something that needs to be fixed is only possible on the outside. And the inside, it's kosher, it's holy. It doesn't need fixing there. It's only on the outside. And another reason he's now is going to add why we do it on the outside. Another reason why, in addition to that, the reason why it's done outside of the partition, meaning it's outside of the partition that separates between the holy and the mundane it's not done on the temple mount so the area is a mundane area it's Jerusalem, it's still holy Jerusalem but it's outside of so it represents outside in the, in the realm of the unholy one because what you want to do with paraduma is not just stop the flow of unholy into unholiness but as we're going to see in a moment, you want to take the energy that it has already taken. The energy that has already gone into the klipa, into the unholy, to vivify them, energize them, sustain them, and you want to extract it. Extract it, take their energy out, and bring it back to holiness. And that's why you have to go into their territory. That's why we go outside of the camp. L'sak came to fix and to restore that which they have already taken. That has already been drawn from the red heifer to the klipas. Vahainu, and how is this done? Where do you see this process? So number one, you're taking the red heifer, you're slaughtering it, you're taking the blood, which is its life force, and you're sprinkling it towards the temple. The, the Kohen had to stand on one mountain and see the other mountain, actually see all the way in, the doors had to be open, he can see the, not just the courtyard, he had to be able to see the, the, the temple, the inner sanctuary, all the way towards the Holy of Holies, and he sprinkles that way. What does that mean? You're returning blood represents energy. You're turning the energy from the from the cow, from the klipas noga. And again, once you extract the energy from the cow and give it back to holiness, the, all the klipot, all the forces of evil are all deriving from this red cow. 
the beginning of the sprinkle, you're extracting the good. This is the innermost of the klipas noiga. To return or to its shorish and holiness. That's why when he sprinkled it was towards the holy of holy. As stated in the third chapter of Masechtas Parim. And in the second chapter of Midas. This is the whole idea of the Jordan. It's called Yarden. Is that it takes from one and it gives over here. It takes from the unholy and it passes back to holiness. A similar idea regarding the Jordan River. Which, and afterwards, and after that he burns. After you take the blood out, then you still have to take the cow itself, the carcass, and burn it. And what is that? Because what you did basically now, by taking the blood, you took away the soul of the animal, the panemius of it, you put it back into holiness. But then there is still the external element of it. And the external also seeped energy into it. And from there you also have to extract. The external of the klipa also needs to be fixed. So how do you fix it? So he says like this, Why the burning? So watch this amazing thing. Gufa Balchai, the body of the, of the animal, Gamkin Kol, is also included, Medalad Yesodos. A dead carcass also has all four elements, four elements of, um, before we spoke, four, four creatures. Inanimate, plant, animal, human. Now he's speaking about the four elements. Fire, water, wind, earth which, by the way, they correspond to each other, but not for now. But fire, wind, which everything is made out of. So any physical entity has these four elements in it. But most of the substance of the body of the animal, is earth. There is some moisture in it, there is some fire in it, there is some wind in it, but mostly earth. Because that's every physical substance. And that's why it says to the human body, the human body, you're going to return to earth because that's what mainly you're made out of. Like the Ramam explains, the other, that everything disintegrates eventually. So think the other, the other parts that's mixed in it leave and the body decomposes, goes back to earth. And the same is also with the dead carcass of the, of the, of the red heifer. The essence of the body of the para, not its shape and form. Shape and form has other things mixed in it, but the essence of it, its pure, um, pure substance before you're designing it. It's who are you to offer? That's the element of earth. But it also was integrated in order to create its its final appearance, its richness. It has in every physical, it has a mixture of the other three elements, Eish, Ruach, Mayim. So they're there more like for decorative purposes. But the substance of it is mainly the offer. Now, so what happens when you burn something? When you burn the, the cow? So Nisha, what's left is Efer, Ash. Now, Ash is almost the same word as Afar. It's just that in Afar, which, which is earth, is spelled with ayin. And afer is spelled with aleph. 
It's the same meaning, the same root word. And what's the idea? Is that when the, when the cow, the meat, the, the bones of this fresh slaughtered cow is still here in substance, it has within it the fire water that giving it its shape. When you're burning it, you're, 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 the fire disappears that goes out of it, joins the fire. The water and the wind, as we discussed in a shir, we just learned Parshas Naso a few weeks ago, goes up in the smoke. And what remains? Just the afer. Just the afer. Just the offer element, which is the true substance of it, without anything mixed in, remains... And that is the ash. Which is its essence. Which is the element of earth. And the three other elements that were in it. The fire, the wind, and the water. Which was all um, integrated into it. In which the cow was like blended with them. Dispired them and go away from it. So you're left with the naked substance without the form, without any design to it. So the same is also in the metaphor. So let's understand what that means. Spiritually, when we're when we when we want to clean this red heifer, the klipa, this this intermediate klipa, we got to do it like this. We've got to strip away its form because its form is what makes it unholy. When you strip away the form and you leave just its essence, what's the essence of it? The essence of the animal, of the soul of the animal. An animal is a being that wants. It's, it, it's full of emotion. It's full of, it's full of an animal. Want, what? It wants to be comfortable. It wants. And we know, calling ourselves, we say we have an animal soul. The animal soul is full of cravings, desires, impulses, right? Now, the essence of the impulse, the essence of the desire is, is not really, doesn't really have much shape and form. It's just, I want. And I want, I want what's... The essence of the desire is, I want. What do I want? Uh, I, I want what's good for me. I want what makes me happy. I want what's going to give me a delight. I want what's going to give me a pleasure. But does that mean, is that, a re, is that an essence deter, defined as, you know, um, I like chocolate ice cream, or it needs to be, uh, you know, it needs to be french fries? No, that's already, uh, 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 that's already the form, that's already the shape of every craving. You have, a, you, have a, you have the pure craving, I want. Then what is it you want? Oh, I crave ice cream. I crave... Spicy fries right now. I create crave a swig of, uh, of, 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 of uh, whatever of scotch. That these are all definitions. These are all the design. I crave to have a good time. Now in the animal soul. In the unholy, that's what the problem is. The pure desire isn't bad. Because if you strip away all the design and you leave just a pure desire, that I want something that's good for me, is very, then you can kind of you know, direct it and say, what's good for you? God is good for you. Holiness is good for you. 
meaningfulness is good for you. Something real, true, eternal, lasting, which is God and what God wants in this world, that's good for you. Yeah, that's good for me. I want it. That's pleasurable, and you can sense the pleasure. Yeah, taste it, you'll see. Oh, wow, it's, it's infinitely greater and more pleasurable than all the silly stuff. But as long as you're pecking at all the, at all the fries and, at, and all the sweets and all the other stuff, you have no room, you have no, you have no room, you have no space in yourself to experience the delight of what's real and what's true. I mean, you, we. So in order to rectify this, this klipa that's inside of us, that's not bad yet, it's not sinfulness, but it's just self, self-absorbed, that's the idea of the thing. It wants pleasure, which will make it happy. And again, as we said earlier, once you get into the things that are, you're into yourself and not into what you need to worship and connect to, you're into yourself, then it's very, it's, it doesn't take long till you become so, so, so much inclo- um, wrapped up in yourself that you don't feel anything other than what you want. And that becomes most important, even at the expense of hurting other people hurting your own family or hurting God and hurting the whole purpose of creation. It becomes all relevant. But it doesn't begin with that. It starts with a certain self-indulgence. But the self-indulgence is not an essence bad. The self-indulgence is only when it actually attaches itself to stuff. If you self-indulge yourself in godliness, that's a good thing. So for that, you have to but destroy and eradicate the shape and the form of whatever the essential desire has gotten into and leave it in its pure in its purest strip it down to its essence and then you can redirect it and that's the idea what you're doing with the ash is the essence of the red heifer or the essence of the cow because the root of the coming into being of the klipa where does the klipa snoiga come from to begin with? Where's this klipa coming from? It's coming from the shattered vessels of the primordial world of the world of Toh. What, what shattered? Sparks of the divine, powerful energies. Now these energies are very holy in their source. It's just that when they landed in, a, in, the, in, in the process of creation, these energies that were disconnected and for whatever reason landed in the lower world, they lost their way and they become energies that attach themselves to negative things. So now you got to do a surgery, as he says. Because they're shattering the vessels. 288 sparks fell. The spark itself is good. And that's its real essence. That's its real power. This is the main. But once it's shattered and it broke, that's why it got mixed. In the design it got mixed. That has to do already with the, the way it has been um, the way it has been woven. It has been woven together as a full fledged experience as negative as negative desires and wants and forces. And the and the burning of the red heifer, through this you separate the bad. That got mixed in the sparks of toyu via The bad that became mixed in the sparks of toyu. The negative that got mixed into it. 
get separated, filtered out from the bad, from the good. Similar to the idea where it says you should clean out the bad from amongst you. What are you left with? Plain ashes. Which is the essence. The pure sparks that are, that are holy. Without their mixture. This is the meaning of the Eifer para. Getting back to the pure spark. Getting back. I was explaining it more in the animal soul because that's how he explains it in the actual discourse. This is the explanation of the discourse where he's talking more in the mystical elements of it. So he's talking about the sparks getting, getting mixed in with other stuff and, 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 and clearing away all the gook and letting just the spark shine. And the spark itself is not, is not bad. It's holy. It's a spark of godliness. And that's the meaning, Shem that when you're taking the para and you're burning it, you're turning a para into afer. What's the idea of taking a para into afer? Para is spelled with a hey. Afer is the same word, par, but par aleph. So what does that mean? So he's going to explain. Shem par hey, from par hey, nasa par aleph, becomes a par aleph. The truth is he doesn't explain it here, so I'm going to add the explanation, which in the mimer, I think he, in the original, or definitely it's explained, maybe later in the mimer he explains the par, hey and par alf, I don't remember right now. But par is, the numeric value of par is 280. We said before that para is receiving its energy from the left side. The left side is the power of gavura. So it's explained that there are five powers of gavura. Hey, Gevuros, five powers of Gevuros. These five powers of Gevuros are symbolized in the letters Menatzpach, Mem, Nun, Tzadik, Pechof, the five letters that are double in the Torah, that are the, the last, we use them only when we end the letter, a word. Okay, Menatzpach, the, the double letters. Mem is 40, Nun is 50, that's 90. Tzadik is 90, the numeric value of that, so it's 180. Pei is 80, so it's two. It's 260, and a chaf is 20, so it's 280. So the gematria of the five gevurois, the five powers of gevurois, are 280 gematria par. And that's the meaning of para. Par, a par, an entity, that's a result and a derivative of hey of the five gevurois. This is your first creation, who's a product of these gevurois. Not the first creation, we said before, the shur is still good, but as it goes down a little, it's the first problematic creation. It's a result of the five gevuras, and that's the par. Now, when we realize that the real essence of the gevura is really is the sparks there that are holy, the whole mess up is just in the in the way it's formed, and we strip away the externality and we get to its essence. That means we get down to the aleph, to the essential DNA, to the very spark itself without any, and we then we turn the par hey into par aleph the singular spark that's one with God. And we return the para to holiness. The gamshem is alaban, and another that's, and, and in addition to that, as a result of this, the entire world of ban, which is the, one of the God's names, 52, which is associated to the entire realm of the shattered vessels. But, and we know that the sparks of holiness, even though after they fell, they're associated with the name Ban, 52, but when you bring them back up to their source, the place from where they fell from, 
is from a very intense place called Olam Atohu, where the lights were very intense. And that level is called Shem Samach Gimel 63. 63 is so intensely holy, it's incredible. V'shem banu milu Now, he wants to connect why par, para. So he says, when it's in a fallen state, in the same ban, God's name that equals 52 is when you fill the yud vavke with haze. The yud is, is yud vav dalid, always remains the same, but the hay is hey hey, And the second hay is also hey hey. Together you get 52 when you add all those numbers together. That's 52, that's the, sh- that's the shattered place. And that's para, a state of shatteredness, a brokenness. But when you lift it back up to its source in Samach Gimel, when you do the gematria of Samach Gimel, although the Hays have Yuds, Yud K Vav K equals 63 is when the Hays are filled with Yuds, but the Vav has an Aleph. So you got an Aleph there. And that's the Aleph that you're switching it to, from the Hay to the Aleph. The Samach Gimel or Milu Yudin, it's filled with Yuds. Achavav or Milu Aleph. But the Vav is the Milu Aleph. And that's what you're getting to, the Aleph. And that's why you turn the Tvampara to Efer. What does this all mean in terms of, okay, we're talking all Kabbalistic. What does this all mean in our own service to do the work of the red heifer? This is what we spoke earlier. The emotions of our animal soul. Our emotions come from klipas noga, of our animal soul. That's why our animal soul is so animalistic. Now, as we said before, the Jewish animal soul is not interested in sinning on its own. It just wants to get you to become fagrept meaning lose sight of the purpose of life and just enjoy life. Stick to kosher. But as a result of that, we start, as the Alter Rebbe explains in Tanya, we start getting the non-Jewish animal soul attached. As we, we, we begin to pick up certain programs that start running in our, in our psyche, in our mind, that don't even belong there. They're external types of... And they start creating lusts and desires towards really bad stuff. Uh, and the person keeps on falling if you don't stop it. Now, the animal soul comes from Klippas Noga. Now, where does Klippas Noga come from? As we said before, fallen sparks. So really, where does it really, really, really come from? The spark, very intensely high places. and its root of roots, from the world of Torah. So what are you supposed to do with this? With this, with this impulsive energy inside of it? Are we supposed to destroy it? Then you're going to destroy so much godly potential. You can't destroy it. What do you do? you got to do a... Uh, precision surgery here. You gotta separate. You gotta separate what's bad in it and what's good in it. The animal soul is not bad. The animal says, I wanna, I wanna feel good. Okay, so it, it, it's an incredible um, motivator towards goodness if you can teach it that it will feel good when it has meaning in life and eternal meaning, not hollow, empty experiences which make it feel sick give it gratification for a minute and then it's gone. That's not, that's not feeling good. Feeling good is a real deep significance in life. And when, and when I can teach it and that I should understand it emotionally, not just intellectually. The main thing is emotions. The emotion should understand it. The person changes all their emotions. The animal soul changes. It becomes an ally to holiness. It's uplifted. And that's the idea of burning the red heifer. You have to burn out. Certain things you've got to burn out. You can't change it unless while you're still at the ice cream all day long and gluttony finishing pounds of, Pints of ice cream. <laughs> You're not going to change your animal soul towards godliness. It's only when you can pull your head out of the fridge, <laughs> or out of the, or all the other things that we get, in 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 in, and a little detachment and say no 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 
No, no is no. I don't need that. I don't need this. I don't need that. It's not what I'm going to invest my love and my passions in. I'm going to find what's really meaningful and direct the passion. There. Then you can redirect. You first got to extract, then you can redirect. And that's the idea of burning it down to its essence. Canal. And then you got to burn it to eradicate the bad. And it's out of that that has become in, in, mixed with it. Of this that a person has sadly misguidedly directed one's neutral emotions, you turn them towards the physical pleasures of the world. And now the emotion, which didn't have to become entrenched in the physical, becomes mixed with bad, a lot, becomes mostly bad. It's almost like most of it is so becomes so identified with, the, with, with, with what you're craving for, and it becomes an unholy emotion. How do you do this rectification? You got to remove the garment of it. And how do you remove the garment? Is you don't give in to it. It wants to do all of its things. You self-control. You remove. You strip away the negative garments, shenatayvus, which are the actual lusts, in which one has bent their hearts to them. Don't let the, the person exercises such self-control that you don't even give in an inch. You shouldn't have any remembrance of it and you shouldn't even think of it. And not allow it to enter into that. The moment you feel it, out. And the entire, and you burn it. That means that the evil gets burnt up in smoke. And it becomes separated. You extract it from the midas. And you take the fire, the water, the wind out of it, which means the whole shape and form of it, and eradicate it. And therefore, the, 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 the midas of the person should not be drawn to these things. And you divert your attention from them completely. Obviously, this is, a, this is not, this is a major exercise. Once you've done that, the essence of the emotions of the animal So. Once you freed them from being burdened by all the other stuff, and you 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 cleaned out the system, you um, flushed it out. You uh, or in the, you deleted all the all the all the garbage. Then you can turn the emotions in any direction. They're yours. They want. They're still excitable. They want to get excited about something. The other stuff has been blocked, the access, so it will go towards holiness. Especially if you train it. And once you convert it, its love will be very intense because only the animal soul has a certain urgency and potency and power in its love, much more than the godly soul. Godly soul is a, you know, a philosopher, a thinker. Maybe he got a little, got a little fire going, but it's not, it's not like the animal. Yeah, will have great love to God. Like the light, the advantage of light that comes from the darkness, when the darkness becomes light. And then the fire to God and the crying out to God is going to be with an energy and a vigor way beyond anything before. And that's why it says in the Zayar, when it says in all your heart, which means in two, your two inclinations, that doesn't say in Zohar, that says actually already in Mishnah. 
that when it says you should love God with all your heart means with all your inclination. That means even your Yetzirah should love God. How do you take your Yetzirah to love God? So the Zohar says, Vidohu Raza, this is a secret. Because who would believe that the very same Yetzirah, which was the drive of a person's older negativity, can be, have such a turnaround and such a metamorphosis and transform? What's the big secret? You should love God with all, both your inclinations. The Gemara says it. Because one can wonder. It's not understood. How can it be that the very Yetzahara, the very entity in the person that was driving him towards all kinds of negative things. And the taiva and the and the lusts that you had in the material, physical things. That this love itself should be able to be, or this, this desire should be able to be flipped over, to become converted and become an, 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 an absorbed in holiness. Yes, Hashem, to have a great love to God. And not only to also be in the divine and the godly team, or also be routing for God, but much more than that. And not only that, the Yetzahara becomes greater than the Yetzatov. Because it goes up into its root in 63. The Yetzatov comes from the right side, which is the name of 45, the name of Tikkun. This is the, in other words, once the left is fixed, it can go much higher than the right. The truth is, this is the way it is. When we destroy and eradicate the, the various different formations of the animal soul, the, 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 the definitions we have given to our desire, no one said that we, in essence, desire bad stuff, but we've created these, these, these definitions in our head, in our mind, we start, and we start believing it. And how do you do that? In the beginning, it takes a lot of self-control because to, to deprogram is not easy. So you have to shut your eyes when you're seeing something that is not kosher. From seeing bad stuff, things that are immodest and the like. Or the thought sometimes wants to go into thinking all kinds of things that are maybe pleasing immediately to the person. You're thinking them and they, 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 they some kind of a fantasy or something. And you stop it. You don't allow that to happen. And what are you left with? Pure ash. Is just the desire. It means you're, a, you're still a, a person with blood. You have a passion. But you have nothing given to be able to latch the passion on. Then you can convert it. This very desire that... A few months ago, this the, the very heat of your body that was craving the darkest stuff is now a fire towards holiness. Now, this is called tshuva out of love. A total flip over. This is the idea that we put eifer b'makam anachas tefillin. What does he mean when we put eifer b'makam anachas? I think this is the time when they fasted, when they did public fasts in the time of the temple. At the time of the way back in the time of Eretz Yisrael, when they did the they would put ashes. When they did tshuva on the Yom Tefillah, they would, the Mishnah describes them, they would take out, they would daven outside, and they would make a whole big thing. 
So one of the things was everybody took ashes and put it on their heads. And I guess, I just don't remember the idea that it was put in the place of the tefillin, on the forehead right over here. To put pe'er, which is tefillin, which is called pe'er, instead of efer. So what does that mean? You're taking the very, the very, the efer is made up of the ashes from the bad stuff. And that is going up in the place of tefillin. You're sweetening the five gevuras. We said the hay, the bigamatria part. Which, as we said earlier, the, the 280 comes from the actual five gevuras. What does it mean to sweeten it? To convert it from bitterness to sweetness. To educate it and turn it from darkness to light. To reorient all the emotions. These are actually the verb, the, 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 the words of Reb Chaim Vital. In the portal where he deals with rectifying sins. So if Perik Bey is in the end of the second chapter. So he's quoting now, what are these words? After the judgments got burnt, and they become ashes, then mitmatkin, then they become sweet. In other words, you can't sweeten them as long as they're still holding on to their dark stuff. You got to completely relinquish that. Then you can convert it. That's why they burnt the paraduma. And they put the afer on the forehead. Now, when did they do that? I don't know what he's referring to, but when they sprinkled the ashes of the third heifer, they didn't do this. I'm not exactly sure. Or maybe again, he's referring to when you're doing tshuva uh, uh, during these uh, public, maybe. Again, I have to find out on this. I forgot to look it up. They put afer on the forehead. Because that's when over there is the beginning of yesod. Up here is somehow connected to the to the uh, yesod element to evoke the zivug. Because the gevur is on feminine waters. In other words, by putting it over here, the afer it represents the extraction of the negative type of the negative lusts, converting them to become a powerful yearning for burning for an intimacy with God. And, the, and, that, and so it goes on that place. Now we'll understand the deeper meaning of putting the ash on top of the water. Because the ash will beat it on Midas and Efsha Bahamas. The ash is the rectification of the animal soul. You took the cow, you burnt it. That you can serve God with both your inclinations. And again, the animal soul, when it wants God, it wants it with a passion like the godly soul doesn't have. Afterwards, but just the yearning to go up is not enough. Then you have to return. You put upon it water, el keli, into a vessel. Water is chachma. Achmayim chayim is not just water. They come from beneath the earth. You're drawing the chachma down as a result of what was triggered from this rutzo, from this excitement upwards. You're drawing and stimulating the chachma. Not just chachma, but chachma as it's coming from keser. And as we spoke earlier, not just from the outer part of keser, but from the inner, inner, inner part of keser, which is reached through the 
the Shnit Toilas, which he's still going to speak about at great length over here, about the red ribbon, we're not going to do it today now. which is called the source of living waters. We steam it, the Kol which is the concealed of all concealments. That's the Chachma of the Torah, when the Torah is connected to its inner letters, the engraved letters, like we spoke earlier. And these living waters, you got to bring it back into a vessel, after you have all this transformation and the yearning, what do you do with all of that energy? You draw godliness down in what? In the letters of Torah. That means you put it into a keli, into a vessel. Meaning, you learn Torah, you learn Rambam, you learn Mishnah, you learn Gemara, you learn, you're bringing it into the holy vessels. Mesechtas Brachis, you're learning Mesechtas Brachis, Mesechtas Shabbos, which is all godliness down here in this world. Shem Kalim, which these Torah study and the mitzvahs that we do are all vessels, Lo'orin Seif Baruch to the Orin Sof, Hamalubisha, that is enclosed in it. The Eisekat Torah, and now your Torah study is not your, is not an elevation towards out of the world, it's quite on the contrary. It's a descent back into existence. It's the idea of shuv, of bringing the Orin Sof down here below. Nevertheless, which one goes on top? Is the ashes going on top of the water or the water goes on top of the ashes? So even though it says in the Pasuk it implies that you have to put first the ashes and then you put the water on it. The sages learn out that no, the water has to go into the keli and then you put the ashes on top of the water. So why is that? Because even after you'd come back down and you've settled and you, you, you did all this whole process and now you're learning Torah, you kind of finish, you feel satisfied. No, no, no. You have to always feel the ash. In other words, there always has to be the burning transcendence of like, I'm here, I'm filling the world with God in light, but oh, do I wish I can be out there. I wish I can be above it all. There has to always be the Eifer on the living waters. Even after you've settled back down, you shouldn't extinguish the fire. There should always be a fire burning. The Yerushima Nikr and its trace should be recognized that you were once in the state of ecstatic love. And over there he explains how the water does not extinguish the fire. Okay. So we're going to stop right over here. This is Siv Beis. Now he's going to explain an amazing explanation. We'll learn that tomorrow, Bezer Sashem of what the deeper meaning of the red ribbon that we throw in and how all that has such power to eradicate and destroy the klipa. And then we'll bring it back to Chukasa uh, Torah. Okay. Thank you. The time tomorrow morning comes and we want to learn, we should find ourselves.